Hello and welcome to episode the 19th of Tamper Tantrum. Uh, it's been quite a while, uh, but uh, I am still Colin Herman and this is, of course, Steve Layton. I am still Steve Layton. Uh, yes, and we have quite a show uh, lined up today. Um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a while. Why has it been so long? Interesting question, why has it been so long? I think we got very much into doing the live ones. We've had lots of live stuff since then. So since we did Dublin, mm -hmm. we did the uh, 2012 Dublin show, then we did Vienna. Yes. Um, and then we also did Nice. Well, so we did Vienna, you did well, Vienna. Yeah, I kind of did Vienna. Like you were kind of busy in Vienna, though. Yeah, a little bit. And I also had Tim Varney helping me as well, which is cool. And He's not Colin. He isn't any Colin. No. Uh, he was very popular, though. No, he wasn't. No. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, then we, of course, had Melbourne, which... Uh, sorry, Nice, sorry. Um, and then we had uh, the Birmingham live ones, which you yep, weren't at either. Huge screen. A huge, huge screen. And obviously they're going they're all live now and up and that yep. was a, that was kind of thanks to the SCIE as well that they stepped in and helped us with the uh, the A V crew and the funding to make that happen, which was really cool. Yeah. I feel kinda of bad in a way because it seems like the views are clocking up and, and we're just we just weren't finding the time to do them. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the, the the blame for not having more tamper tantrums is very much on our side. So thank Us? you for watching and listening. Yeah, it's it's good to. Are we sharing a, it? A collective blame. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's particularly uh, um, my fault. Yeah, we can we can talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still uploading the videos as well. I mean, I'm still kind of no, yeah. doing all the bits with that. But now I think we also kind of hit a little bit of a. We wanted it to be good, mm -hmm. and I think this is important that when we're doing these. You know these video casts that we want them to be good. There's no point in doing something that's okay. You know, and when we did the Skype ones, we weren't happy with it, were we? Mm -hmm. This is great that we've kind of been able to. You know, we're going to have some guests, and we're going to we're very kind of focused and organised on what we're doing. And I think it's going to be really different and a step up from what we've done in the past. So, what do you want to do with Tamper Tamper in the future? Um, I'm loving doing the live stuff. Yeah. Like the Birmingham one was brilliant. Yeah. Like really good speakers. A really like engaged audience to somewhere that's never had anything to do with coffee. You know, like Dublin's got a real kind of culture now of specialty coffee, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of that's from the work that you've done and from doing those early tamper tantrums. And Birmingham's just starting; it's at the very beginning. And taking the tamper tantrum there for I mean, we had an audience of like 40, 50 people. But that's really good for a Sunday morning in Birmingham where there isn't that you know burning culture. It, it was good. It was really, and it made the soup heat better as well because it made people have a reason to attend yeah um, so i love the live stuff um i'd really like to do these more of us kind of getting guests and talking to people but maybe mix it up with some audio stuff as well and i can't know. believe it's been two years since we've done one in this format i mean you think about the times that we've been um like for seattle recently or melbourne or I and mean, if we just got a sound recorder the conversations we had with people or we had and people came and joined us and stuff if we just stuck a sound recorder on the table and went let, let, let people look at our conversations uh, the, uh, the sober a, ones a few less beers yeah well. yeah the sober ones yeah definitely not the drunken ones but tamper tantrum nights <laughs> tamper tantrum unplugged yeah um we've done that remember there was no mic yeah yeah, that was it. yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely exciting to be able to do stuff. And it, the difficult thing is that we get offered a lot of places to come and do a tamper tantrum and say, oh, you should do it here, you should do it there. It's just, just so busy. And like actually finding the time to get them done is is, is the big challenge. So like I think um, like we spoke a bit about doing more audio ones. I think is yeah. is, is definitely a way forward too. And and I also know that like the the amount of like 
uh, Birmingham, you weren't there, but you really helped with organising the speakers and all the other things because I had other responsibilities at that time. But um, like, it's just so much effort and energy. Like at the end of the Sunday, I just wanted to collapse somewhere. I was just exhausted, you know, run, running around and getting like phone <laughs> calls half an hour before somebody was meant to be on stage saying they'd miss their train and. Like it was just so stressful, and people don't realise when we're putting these together how much work goes goes into it. Even with this, as you know, like this doesn't just kind of happen. Yeah, I was here early this morning setting up all the cameras and the mics <laughs> to make sure it goes on the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you know how to get it on the internet? Email. <laughs> so how about you? I mean, have you got like because obviously, Tampa Tantrum really was your idea. And it's the format it's evolved into. Yeah. Have you got was any? It? Yes, I suppose it was. Well, you remember you said like we should do a thing where people get together and we yeah, put yeah. it on the oh, internet. Yeah. <laughs> remember? And where did I say that? Well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's kind of evolved past. I suppose like what it started as. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's been quite a busy time, really. So like. Say so what? I mean, what's been happening in your life in the past two and a bit years? What's... Oh, God. <laughs> hasn't happened uh, so it will, the last time we did it we, it was just before just before the Dublin, the Dublin what? when we did the second Tampa Tantrum Live it was just before that we did it really? yep yeah yeah so then there was Vienna after that there was Vienna after that and then um, where you did very well in a Brista competition yeah again. and then we finished or we opened the new shop in Dublin yeah and then we closed the old shop yeah. and then we opened the new roastery yeah and then there was Melbourne as well. There was. <laughs> and oh, well, you did very well in the Bristol competition again. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne was what a city, amazing. Well, great, co great coffee culture there. Great cafe culture there. Mm. Um, really interested, excited people. I think it was really, um, yeah. it's really cool. So about in Ireland, what's been happening with the SCAE? Because I know that you were quite heavily involved in helping the competition. Yeah, like happen. I think it's definitely gotten a new lease of life uh, in the sense that I've just completely abandoned it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and it's just been, a, it's, a, it's a drain on time. I think it's good to have like fresh blood coming in and, and driving it as well. So it's, it's more popular than it's ever been. Uh, and I just don't really have an awful lot to do with it, I suppose. Uh, which is kind of interesting because we've done... We've done tamper dances where I've been the one trying to like get you involved in SCAE and uh, <laughs> you've been flatly refusing and uh, it, the, the tides have kind of turned to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't think I'm as an anti-SCAE as you ever were. No, but, no. Um, uh, I, and I, I wouldn't say I'm particularly pro still now. I think there's still lots of problems with it. But yeah, I kind of... You're interested in fixing those problems, so is that well, right? Well, I stood, I stood outside throwing stones at it for a very long time. Boulders. I felt uh, rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and and I've, I still feel quite rightly so. I think there were lots of, particularly from the UK. So whenever we've done these tantrums, I've always talked very specifically UK. Like, I've always had a very close uh, affinity and affection with the SAE, for instance, in Ireland, and I've always been very impressed at the way that they've done things and the way they've approached stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought the UK could learn a lot from it. Um, albeit, you know, it's a bigger competition. You know, it's a bigger. We're it's more a advanced big, nation, though. So, <laughs> it's a bigger chapter in the UK, though. So we have more members. We should be able to yeah. do more. And I felt that we we didn't. So I've thrown lots of stones at it for a long time, and then I scared the people away with the stones I was throwing, so that nobody would take the national coordinator's role. <laughs> <laughs> like, so we had you an really election. Well, we had an election, and, and nobody put their name forward. So they decided they'd try and do another election, which nobody put their name forward. 
So we had no national coordinator. So in November at host, I was bamboozled by... Um, <coughs> Budwinked. Yes, yes, bullied, <laughs> I think the word is, by some of the SCIE board. Um, I hate you, Cosimo. I hate you so much. It is all your fault. Um, and they said, well, you know, would I do it? So I jumped in as temporary national coordinator for the SCAE UK, which is a bit like kind of the lunatic taking over the asylum. A little bit like that. Yeah. It's temporary in the sense that you'll be doing it for how many years? It's like Kenny Dagleish taking over Man United, you know? It's that kind of... Yeah. You know, like, I didn't see it coming. I don't think anybody else saw it coming. Yeah. Um, so I'm temporary at the moment. I, uh, in December, we had to make a competition happen. We yeah. had nothing planned or organised, so um, we decided to have a super heat, which was where the Tampa Tantrum Live was. So that was different because like, traditionally in, in the UK, there's a, there's a regional heat all over seven. the country. Seven of them. Typically seven. Used to be eight, but then we, we, we didn't go to <laughs> the Nordies one year and Ireland swallowed them up, and, and quite rightly so, I think it helped the Irish competition and the Northern Irish barista community mm -hmm. by being part of that. Um, but yeah, so we had seven the year before, and this year we just had one, um, which was all we could really organise in the time that we had. And do you think that distilled the quality? The quantity, for sure. So we had less competitors compete this year <laughs> than we've had in previous years, mm. for, for a number of years. Well, what I'm saying is that like, you had, there was more quality. More, the quality was exactly the same for me. I still knew who would go through as the top 20. As you tend to, you know, you go to WBC and you have a rough idea who 15 of the 20 are going to be, uh, yeah. uh, sorry, like 10 of the 12 are going to be in the semis. We have 20 go through to this to the final semi-finals and I pretty much guessed most of them. I even knew who the finalists were at that point because you watch <laughs> a competition and you know the standard of competitor. You can see what was going through and the finals, I think everybody who was there agreed it was the best finals we've ever had. The streaming was the most viewed we've ever had. Um, the actual competition at London Coffee Festival was huge. Like so many, stand, there wasn't even standing room. Like the room was full. You could not get, it. people were standing in doorways at the back watching it. Um, we had a great finals. We did, we did live uh, commentary for the first time ever. Um, we did live streaming for the Super Heat. We had AV crew there. I love the commentary. Like it's just, yeah. when did they, they started doing that in um, Colombia, was it? Yes, yes it was, yeah. It's yeah, amazing, it was. Like it's, it's, it's just, it gives you that much insight into, into what's going on. I love doing it. <laughs> doing it with James Hoffman, who's going to be one of our guests later, but we had lots of fun doing it as well. Mm. Um, so, like, although we did less, we did more with what we had. So, if you competed at the Superheat, you had an audience, which at most regionals in the past you didn't have. You had a camera crew, a professional lighting setup, a rig. It was like... It was like competing in the semi-finals for anybody coming through the first round. So as a new barista competing, you've got that all-round experience that you don't always get. You've got a video to share with your folks of your performance, you know, yeah. that you wouldn't get at a regional. So a feedback from everybody was they would have liked to do it close to home. A few people moaned about driving to Birmingham. I'm sure no matter where you hold it, someone has to drive there. Exactly. Um, but on the whole, I think everybody was fairly accommodating and understanding. And as an NC, I had to deal with the stones being thrown at me. It How did that feel? Um, it was good because every time anybody said it, they say, "Okay, do you want it?" Because I'm temporary. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> like it really is all yours. Take it away. I'm not interested. Um, 
And nobody really complained when she started to threaten that they might have to do it. Um, it's been hard. We had no money. We lost a lot of sponsors because of not being looked after in the past. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's the way that it is. It's, we've got a fresh start now. Um, San Remo, who were our machine sponsors, it was there last year. So we, we, um, we had to try and make them go out with a bang and look after them. Um, you know, but all of the sponsors have run out now. So it's a brand new sheet of paper to start from and hopefully try and fix it longer term. Opportunity beckons. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's kind of where you know where we kind of got it to, um, just by making it happen. Yeah. How was the Irish competition this year? Um, the Irish competition this year. So I didn't compete this year, uh, but Pete, who works with us, um, did compete, and it was good. So it was split into semi-finals and finals again. Yeah. So they did, uh, Ireland only really gets like about maybe 25 competitors. So they did a semi-finals in Java Republic and they, they always run a very good show. They got a, a beautiful roastery out near Blanchardstown. And the space is great, works really well. And they uh, they ran that, we picked top six. And um, then they ran uh, the finals with the top six at um, uh, Food and Bev Live. Yeah. It's in City West, and it's actually it's run by the same. You've done that before. They've done that before there, haven't they? As well. Yeah. Didn't yeah. you compete there one year? Yeah, yeah. two years ago. Yeah, I yeah. think. Uh, no, three years ago. So yeah, and the the people that organise Food and Bev Live are actually the same people who organise uh, KTEX, where it's usually held, and also organise uh, World of Coffee. Yeah. So um, yeah, they know what they do, and like I I see that as kind of like, um, I I think it would be a better idea going forward for for all of these events to become run by event management companies because like we've got we, everybody's been bootstrapping to get the coffee industry and the coffee competition specifically to this stage uh, and doing talks and stuff and and like things like tamper tantrum even and it's like well let's put our you know call our mates in put our best foot forward see what we can come up with ourselves and kind of like do it at little cost but it's kind of a stage now where we have momentum behind us that we can now just hand it over to people that do this for a living and they will just do it better. That's kind of like what I feel is, is the future of it. They're getting event management companies just to, to own barista competitions and let them look after the sponsorship and them look after the lighting rigs and them look after the sound and all that. And then we can just focus on what we do. And that's it's a, it's a better way of doing things. Well, you, like would, you wouldn't ask an events company to come and roast coffee. <laughs> so why ask a coffee roaster to run an event? Well, like it makes no sense to me yeah, like at all. It's kind of like getting... I don't know, turning up at Wembley Stadium and having, I don't know, Wayne Rooney taking your ticket at the gate. It, just, it, doesn't, <laughs> uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not what we do. And people will, like event management companies can run events uh, better than us and uh, cheaper than us. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what they do. But it's, it's also, it's like, um, the, problem, the problem with, as I see the national coordinator role in the competitions and stuff, and obviously being inside now, is you're asking somebody to do a job that should be paid as a volunteer. Like, if I go to a sponsor, and I had to say, please give me X amount of money. And they feel like, oh, this is my money and I'm giving it to Steve. They didn't give me anything. I didn't get any money. I didn't even get any expenses because yeah. like, we hadn't got enough money in the pot to do that. Yeah. You know? But like, they were like, well, you took my money. You need to deliver this to me now. And quite rightly so, yeah. but also not quite rightly so because that's not what I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's... it's, it's, I think it's, it's yeah, it's similar enough to running a business in the sense that you have to, uh, you have to get to the stage where you 
you feel initially that you're obliged to do everything. Yeah. And it's okay for us to let people run it for us. We don't have to do that. That's not our job. So it's almost like you've been listening to my plans. It's uh, almost. Yeah, almost. Gosh, yeah. So keeping on the Barista competition theme, uh, we were both in Seattle at the SCAA. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think? Of the SCAA. The so show. it's the first time I've seen a USBC uh, since too. 2008. I've never seen one. I was at Long Beach in 2008 and I saw like, I wasn't really, I liked the Barista competition then, but I wasn't as into it as I think I am. I'm a bit sad about it now and geeky and all the rest of it. But back then it was like, it was the start of me getting really into it. Um, but this is the first time I got to see very close up as well, which was pretty cool. Yeah, we were emceeing, so <laughs> that's pretty close. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <coughs> and what do you think in, in general of, of the SEA? The show? I, th I think they're much better at putting on a show, like the actual show thing. Like people want to be there. Like people are very keen to be there. Very, certainly, the Americans I spoke to were like, "It's a date in their calendar; they have to be there." Um, their competition areas, are, I think, are really good. Like for a national competition, which what it is, um, you know, it was, it was WBC level of competition area, competition layout, um, including the seating. Yeah, I think so. I think the seating was good. So I was disappointed by the attendance. Yeah, I was disappointed. Like that was kind of where you know, I think they put on everything. <laughs> to, to have a good audience, but there wasn't, uh, they didn't see that many people. Like, by and when Charles Babinski was up, which was you know, one of the big names, you know, one of the, like, if Charles Babinski was competing in the UK, like, he would have been ram. And, and like, when Maxwell went up, or when Dale went up, or John Gordon went up, or, you know, like, Flat Cap Joe, they were full. They, there was, he was heaving. Well, see, this is the thing that worries me about the, the Bristol competitions going forward. Is that, like, you see, there are times when the audiences are amazing. Like, the, the finals in Melbourne, for example. Yeah. Like, it was like walking out into the new camp, you know, there's this tiered seating around you. Like, and it does. It that energy incredible. as well. Yeah, but like, it's the other side of it is that I, I walked into the hall in the USBC at one stage and I saw five, like, really prominent kind of superstar coffee people sitting in the seats watching the competition and there's like 200 empty seats around them yeah and like there are definitely people out there that are interested and want to watch it and they just either don't know what's happening or they don't feel like they can get involved there's that barrier to entry there like do i the mean it happened, it happened in melbourne a little bit though didn't yeah, it as well the as semi-finals yeah. it was just like a ghost town yeah yeah or not semi-finals the the first round yeah first round semi-finals got it, it slowly <laughs> built up mm -hmm. you know but um, it was kind of strange, but I think that's why we need an event management company. Because, like, I even in Ireland, like, if you don't get that good in attendance, like, most customers that I talk to are like, "Oh, I'd love to go see it," but they don't feel like they're allowed to go. They don't know it's on. Yeah, that's, that's the problem of putting it in a trade show. That's yeah. always the danger of a trade show: is that the public so don't feel do they can go because they give us space. But you know, and this is the thing: is not professionally. Th 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 there isn't enough money in there to kind of, or, or enough bravery to do your own event. You know? If people pay to watch snooker, I think people would pay to watch yeah. a, a Brisbane competition. So I, I, I mean, <laughs> slightly off-tacked on that, but um, so I kind of get this, you know, we need to make it more engaging for the public and we need to make it so people want to watch it. I think public do want to watch it and I don't think that's so much of a problem. But also, we really don't need to make it more engaging for the public because it's not really meant to be for the public as such. This is our thing. Like, it's a trade association running a a trade event, running Surely a trade it's, it's show. It's there for, like, to, to, to generate interest in coffee in the general public. I think he does that, though. He do, he, like, yeah, you know, you've built a personal brand from competing in barista competition. 
you know. And in Ireland, you're known as the guy who competes in the coffee competition. But do they have to come and watch it? Actually, it's about us progressing as an industry, having an industry event and an industry competition. Uh, and I think, it's like, it, it, for a world level anyway, it brings in enough sponsorship money and enough interest and enough people that are motivated to compete. Yeah. You think about how many people have competed all over the world this this year to compete in the WBC. Yeah. Like in every country, there's what 55 countries. You can say that most of them will have at least 20. Yeah. Some of them more. You think about the USBC with how many competed in their regionals and all the rest. It's immense. Like it's big enough, and it it's there to fund and make the coffee community grow. Like coffee community is the important thing that we take from Barista Competition. It's a chance that we get together to hang out, to talk about coffee, to geek out about coffee, but also to introduce new things like the whole grinding issue has come from Barista Competition. If we talk about you know, why the, the, the Climate Pro and why the EK43 became to the forefront, it's completely because of Barista Competition and Baristas you know, complaining about grinders, saying that they're not good, you know, that they want something better. So it's actually almost achieved its goal for me. Yep. Um, and, and, and if the community want to come along as well, that's great. Um, you know, it's, it's good. So what's, what trends did you see in the competition? What do you think is the current, what are you going to see 10 people doing in, in, uh, in Rimini? A lot of EK43s. A lot of EK43s. Pre-grinding pre stuff. His coffee. I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like it. I think I like it. It's everything that like I've been. I've spent ten years working in coffee, and it, for ten years, everybody said pre-grinding's bad. And then all of a sudden, this year, they're going, "It's good again." And I'm yeah. like, mm, oh. "No, I liked your arguments for why it wasn't good, mm. um, and I think it does uh, a detriment to the coffee." Um, you know, I think it's. You know, I don't think it can be good for the coffee. Pre-grinding, personally. What else are we going to see? Um, th there's a lot of. This, like, no, th th this will be the year of I made my own cups. <laughs> and they have no handles. Yeah. I, I, do you know what well. I'd really like to see? Is people <laughs> to stop trying to bend the rules in barista competition. But that's a fun bit. It, it seems like a constant kind of like... The rules are there for a reason. You know? Yeah, but if everybody ob obeys the rules and does exactly that, it's the most boring thing. I, I, you know, and I agree, but I think it's almost gone too far now. People are trying to do like the pre-grind thing. It's always been like that. Yeah, like, I think like I feel it's gone a little is, far. Is filters on the counters and stuff. Like that was a bit like, whoa, oh. and then like people using um, timed grinders that was deemed like bending the rules initially yeah. as well, and like. I'd almost like to see, like, at the end of the competition, though, that like, everybody puts in a suggestion for what they'd like to see the rules evolve into, and then you just vote on them. Yeah, we'll do, do that, that next year. It's called Twitter. <laughs> um, I'm kind of pleased that there's a lot of that, you know, grew the coffee, pick the coffee, bloody blah. I'd like to see more focus on the coffee in a, I found this really delicious and tasty coffee, and that's why I'm using it. But I don't know whether we, we will. Sig drinks. Um, they're gonna do like I don't. Uh, I, this is not based on any facts or or, or conversations or meetings I've had with anybody, but uh, I get the feeling that they're on the way out. Feels that way, but I don't think it ever will. I think there's too many. As long as I'm in coffee, we'll have syrups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but the thing is, is the signature drink is the only way to have that expression, and brewed coffee doesn't cut it for me. Like the, the whole idea of you can do a brewed course, I'm not. Not so sure about. I love the idea um, of the of the Brewers Cup, but uh, personally, I 
would rather watch paint dry. Do you know, and the, the Brewers' Cup is definitely something I have lots of ideas about because I think it is such a fun competition, but it's so flawed with its scoring system that you you don't have to do any presentation. You can be boring as heck, turn up with a geisha, and you'll win. Like, yeah. I watched the US competition, and you know, there were some interesting performances in there. I actually enjoyed a lot of them. Five out of six were geishas, though, earlier. All of them were geishas. Oh, five out of six. One was an Indonesian who came sixth. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's that, it, it's that obvious now that you, because it's a copy sheet. Like, it makes sense why they're getting those scores. But they're like, there's room, like, you, they're having a cupping score uh, score sheet. You see, a lot of these rules, I feel, are, are, are made by cuppers. Yeah. Like, we've had this conversation. Uh, and it, it annoys a lot of people. Like, I think it shocks some people. But I have little to no interest in cupping, personally. And it, in my scope of what I do, I just, uh, nah, I'm, not, I'm not really, yeah. it's not really what I do. Uh, I'm more focused on the coffee shop. The cup, coffee you know? shop shouldn't really Like, you, you make coffee it. the way I cup. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fair to say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's kind of like, that's, and that's because our roles are very different yeah. in what we do. And sometimes I feel like, I'm looking at Bristol competition sheets involved in Brewers Cup, and I'm like, these are for cuppers. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't do this, you yeah. know? I, 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 I worry about the Brewers Cup because I feel that if it continues in the vein that it is now, it will die. Yeah. But actually, it's a really good... Out of all the other competitions after Barista competition, it's the best. Yeah. And you know why? Because anybody can do it. Yeah. Even an idiot like me can get up there and yeah. do it. Like, but so is that what you're most excited about seeing in Remedy? Is just the... That competition no 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 not, so not in its current guise because it's broken it needs to change it needs to evolve it has to develop into something else what are you like about somebody that? needs to get that score sheet and go <coughs> sorry nick but like throw it away start again like completely start again like you wouldn't like i i when i did the brewers cup in in london coffee festival i used to pack amara and i knew i wasn't gonna win and what won in the uk every time like, just call it the Geisha competition. Forget the Brewers' Cup, Geisha competition. Mm. Um, and that's sad because I don't want to... Like, if, if you perform, and I think you take a very... When you perform, you want to get a message across. You want to do your thing, and you want to show your personality and your presentation. Okay, and bend the rules. Oh, yeah, I, I can kind of... Yeah. But that's what I wanted to do. And I love Pacamaras. I've always loved, like, like Pacamaras. Some of the... Some of the... We have more... You know, this year I've got nine Pacamaras from Limoncillo that are all different. <laughs> all different. Like, how amazing is that? Nine Pacamaras. Yeah? Like, most people, they have nine copies. I've got nine from one farm of one varietal that are all different. Oh. Um, but, like, that was my personality. That's what I wanted to present. But you're never going to win with that. That sucks. Yeah. It's kind of the flaw, maybe, with Brewster competition as well. You know, that you could, like... In its current guise, it's a point-scoring game where you can, you know, score some points without having that amazing, uh, comp you know, performance. So you know, yeah, it's always got to be a subjective thing, though, isn't it? It's it, it it is, and we but we need to make it where, it, uh, particularly Brewers Cup, like Bristol competition, is in, you know, the 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 WBC is our serious time. That's our serious time as an industry where we get serious. And Brewers Cup, we can have such a laugh with. Like, it should be fun. It should be the one where, like, I've got ideas for how I want the UK one to run next year. And if nobody sponsors it, I'm going to sponsor it. And there's going to be beer and there's going to be tamper tantrum style talks in between. And it's going to be us all getting together and having fun. And, and there'll be, like, like the Aeropress competition to an extent is, but I, I don't like the Aeropress because there's not the presentational part to it. Mm. Um, that's, that, that's my only gripe with the Aeropress is 
You're doing it to yourself. Should I can't of a room. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very angry. I like the coffee in good spirits because you can get you can get slaughtered while judging or emceeing it. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, it's not good for you though. It really isn't. Like tasting each of the drinks at the end is like. I remember in uh, Maastricht with uh, Stephen Morrissey and um, me and him were doing the MC in and we tasted every single one of the drinks at the end and by the end it was like, I love you, <laughs> I love you more. God, you must have been drunk. Oh, jeez, yeah, for sure. It's his beard, he does it for me. So at Rimini we have the risk competition, we have the Brewers Cup, Brewers Cup Aeropress. Uh, Aeropress as well, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else? Gelato fair isn't there? Where is it? No. <laughs> no, I, don't know. I think that's it. I think that's all we've got. Um, and uh, like so, and who are the like every year? There's the big names. So obviously, you got Matt Perger's is well competing, He's competing this, today. This way, yeah, today. So like, yeah, yeah. Like he has to be like like hot, hot favorite for Australia, and then wait, he, he didn't he didn't, didn't win his heat. Sorry? I didn't win his heat, did he? Well, he didn't win his heat last year, either. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But, like, yeah. you say hot, hot favourite, but he didn't win his heat. And yeah. Australia is a, as we've said, like, Melbourne was amazing. It's a tough competition there, that one. It's getting harder as well. Yeah. You know, and they've had a past champion. You know, there's been a past Australian WBC champion. So that means that the quality is going to be, you know, going to yeah. be good in that competition. So who um, is, uh, the UK, you got uh, Maxwell. Maxwell. Yeah. Maxwell, who's a previous finalist, you know, mm -hmm. came uh, sixth in Vienna. And uh, what have we got then? Uh, I'm trying to think. In the Leila Gabari in the in the US. I yes, say. yeah, which was a, a big shock for me. I didn't expect. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, she was great and she was really good, but I think everybody thought it was Charles's year. Second for the third year running, is it? I, I I remember when I saw we announced when we were doing the announcements on stage, and I, I was looking at Charles because I knew at that point the the thing. And I looked at his face and said. <laughs> not again! No, like he was just literally burst out laughing on stage at second. It was yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. He'll go again though, you know. And he should be allowed to as well. Like you know how I feel about this is that people yeah, just it, well, it isn't about winning. Like if you enjoy it, you should do it. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah. So um, in Melbourne at the minute, we've got coffee and good spirits, latte art, and cupping championships. I know this because as national coordinator, I had to pay for three flights to Melbourne. No more competitions in Melbourne. No, 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 no. Um, or you just permanently moved there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you feel about those competitions? Which ones? The coffee and good spirits, the latte art, the... Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think well, I think there's definitely a place for it. It's like latte art and not a bit. Yeah. Squiggles. Look at me! Squiggles! Coffee and good spirits needs... Uh, has loads of potential. I've always wanted to do it and I never have. We don't even have a coffee and good spirits competition this year in Ireland, so... Wow. Maybe I could just nominate myself to winner and go do it. Oh, 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 I've just thought of something else that is happening in Rimini. Ibrick. I did the Ibrick once. I did the Ibrick this year. No, I did it ages ago. Yeah, old hat. I remember. <laughs> Didn't you come last? No, it came seventh. No, actually, I was disqualified, but I would have come seventh out of twelve. So you came last? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I came fourth in the UK. Twelfth in the world. Yeah, I came fourth in the twelfth UK. Twelfth in the world. <laughs> it was only twelve people. In the world. Ask me how many people who were in the UK one. National champion. Yeah, you didn't actually have to compete though, did you? They just said, would you do it? National champion. You're not sending one this year. That's how important it is. That's because they're afraid to come after me. I was that good. Uh, but it's, 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 that's at Rimney as well? Yes. And who's, who won? Who beat you? 
uh, uh, Vladimir, I think his name is. He, like, he's Turkish. He just lives in the UK. He was always going to kick my ass. Yeah. And then Gordon Howell came second. Gwillem came third. I came fourth. That was all that entered. <laughs> so I came last, but I'm the fourth best brick maker in the UK. Yeah, well, fourth is the credibility position. Well, I, I, I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just for you. Um, but yeah, so the latte art, I kind of had to MC the latte art in the UK. How was that? Like, not that it was awful, as in the competitors were awful. It was just like, I don't know what to say about it. And then they asked me to do it. <laughs> then I had to do it at the US. I was like, good squiggles. Yeah. I, I learned some key words to say as MC. So, uh, beautiful symmetry. Yeah. Look at the definition. The definition. Yeah. Yeah. I really like your definition there. You have no interest in latte art, do you? None whatsoever. I would rather pull my own teeth out and stick them up my nose. It's like, I don't get but it. Make the competition more interesting. I don't get it. Like, why? But some people love it, you know, like, and it's not like, like, again, like, you can't just bin it just because you, you have yeah. no interest. Yeah, like, yeah, I know no, no, there's plenty of people who are interested and, you know, I think it's, you know, there's obviously. So I know a guy who won uh, the Irish Latte Art Competition and his shop was, like, out the door busy for, like, three weeks after. Wow. So, yeah. What do you think of the Cupping Championship? It's exciting to watch, yeah. It's exciting to watch. I, I kind of, I've never competed. It's not one that excites me at all to compete. I, I kind of like to watch it. Yeah. I, I definitely like it if it's been emceed by um, um, Alf. Kramer. Alf, like Alf's emceeing is the best. I've learned a lot from Alf. Well, there was the one year when David Walter was in it, and he uh, he was trying to build attention for the last cups, and David was behind going, uh, uh, "I can't win, like <laughs> mathematically." And he was like, "Now who's going to win?" David's like, "I've lost." Like, I, I, David like walked off the stage. He's like, "Who's going to be the winner?" <laughs> it's kind of funny, but he uh, he puts his heart and soul into it. He definitely does. He's yeah. the, the granddaddy of uh, copy competitions. Yeah, yeah. No, he made it. Um, so I think we've talked enough. I think we should go and fetch some guests. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go fetch guests. Joined on the Tampa Tantrum set by two uh, illustrious guests, Mr. James Hoffman of Square Mile Coffee in London, Hello. Mr. Andrew Tolley of Taylor Street Baristas, and uh, Harrison Hall. Hello. Um, so we're kind of doing this because we're getting ready for Rimini and we're uh, putting together some things for the Barista Guild. You've had your meetings today upstairs on Barista Guild. And yes, indeed. Um, what are you most excited about with uh, Rimini and, and, and the whole show that's come up with World of Coffee? Personally or like professionally both. or... Yeah, let's do both because that's more talk. Professionally. Professionally, yes. <laughs> it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good word. Um, people, you know, that's what it's kind of mostly about. For, for those of us not involved in the competitions and that kind of stuff, I just want to go and see some people I haven't seen for ages. You have these weird annual friends. And it's kind of, you know what I mean? Uh, it's nice to see them. 
the internet gets together in one place. That bit's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Walking around the I'm internet. Not, I'm not yeah. as excited about that bit. That bit's slightly more nerve-wracking. But um, no, there's just a bunch of people I haven't seen for six, nine, twelve months now. Um, and I'll get to see them for like three sentences and that'll be really lovely. And then uh, maybe a drink. Get crazy. Um, so that's that's the kind of the, always the biggest draw. And I suppose why I'll always, always go for the whole time instead of dropping in for a day or two here and there. Um, otherwise, it's, it's Bristol stuff, but we can talk about that when you want to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever do that thing where you're, um, you're talking to somebody at the show and then you realise you've actually never met them? Uh, no, I'm pretty conscious I haven't met them. It's okay. not usually a I've never actually talked to you in person. Oh, in per- oh, you mean like an internet friend? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I have those. I know that. That's kind of, yeah, definitely. It's a weird one. It is. And there's a kind of assumed level of friendship or comfort with the other person and you realise probably it's not always cool because it's not always reciprocated. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, might be one of two different ways. I might be making someone feel creeped out. Or, yeah. I or, suppose they're not that interesting in real life. No, we're not. We're really not. It's, it. it's just all marketing. Sorry if I've disappointed anyone. Yeah, they were expecting it, Colin, don't worry. <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, what are you looking forward to most about the show? Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be the first show I haven't judged in for the past couple of years. So, I'm not oh. judging. No. Why not? I got deported uh, from England due to a <laughs> small visa issue. and Clerical um, error, right? Clerical error. And as a result, wasn't able to, I sort of handed my passport, I wasn't able to get to any of the uh, certification workshops. It's a two-year certification. And, yeah, so I'm going there to enjoy the show, to uh, promote the Barista Guild and to catch up with people um, from the last few years I've been, been hanging out at the show. Mm. Yeah. It must be really kind of a, a, a different experience, kind of. Like I've always, whenever I've gone to, like WBC in particular, I've normally been backstage with with a barista or recently the MC, and I can't imagine sitting outside and not being part of. Anything. Are you looking forward to that? Actually, I, I really, really enjoy the, the the back area of of judging because you you catch up with people who are doing you know, fascinating things uh, around the world in coffee and. Um, Yes, yeah, so I'm sort of quite disappointed to be missing out on that, but um, I'm hoping to uh, grab them as they're wandering through the show and, and catch up. It's um, also a well-known fact that judges sacrifice goats in the judges' room, don't they? Between <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be saying it's on the, the ritual burning. And, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Great. and the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually watched WBC. I've never seen it. Like, really? Yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. Heckling. Yeah. Heckling. Are you going to be nervous? Yeah, I don't like watching. No, I don't like watching. So, yeah, Pete, who works at us at 3 is competing for Ireland, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's just the worst. It's I've actually got better at it now. I actually feel better about it than I did before. I used to be very nervous, like, watching you, I'd be, like, I used to take all of the nerves off you before you went on stage and then gave them you back at the end. Yeah. But um, I think Melbourne was the, ch- the change for me, like, watching you and MC in your, your competition, I was like, yeah. Uh, watching is harder, much harder. I think it's harder. Yeah. No control, all of the fear... None of the control. Yeah. Not, you know, I'm not saying you are controlling, but, you know. It happens. <laughs> oh, you were judging in Melbourne as well, were you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I judged, um, judged some amazing competitors in Melbourne, actually. It was a fantastic show. The, the sponsors looked after the judges as well as the competitors, so we had our own area. It was great for kind of um, regrouping after each competitor and making sure the standards of judging were very high. 
Yeah. And like the standard of judging is it's getting like to me like from versus perspective. I remember the thing that stuck out for me in Melbourne was when you come back for the debrief afterwards, you'd ask a question of the judges, and all three of them or all four of them would all go to say the same answer at the same time and be like, "Whoa, yeah. okay, that's freaky." Yeah. It's like Stepford Wives backstage, so yeah. it's a, it's a, no, it's quite interesting. I think every year the, the competition gets more rigorous and rules improve, judging's improving, competitors improving. I, th- I think also that like the, the, from, from the judges' perspective, I've noticed that there's been a the judges' room has become much more important over time. So I think back to 2006 in uh, Bern, the judges' room was like cramped in a very small thing out the back. And then 2009 at Atlanta, it got a bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And then 2011 with Bogota, it was different again. But this year at Melbourne, it was a step up, wasn't it? They got like pinball, like an arcade machine, and like there was also I got to sneak in there at the end. At the party. A dartboard with barista faces. On it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's important for the judges to have that time, just kind of chill and relax? And kind of yeah, I, I think it is. I think the. Um not just because I am a judge and I've quite enjoyed the space, you know, the free refreshments <laughs> and so on. But, um, but yeah, no, it's it's really important to clear your head after every competitor, um, just unwind and, and have have some space to do that. So how um, nervous do yeah. you get? Very nervous. Yeah, not I just maybe. I hate judging. Yeah. You judge as well, have you? Back in the day, you're always judging us. Back well, in the day, <laughs> <laughs> they always give me a score sheet for that. It's <laughs> not always something to fill in. Sad look beside them. In conversation. Uh, <laughs> How many are you judging a day now? Like, in, how many? How many a day was Melbourne? Uh, between between four and six. That's a good number. Six max. Yeah. yeah, that's a good number. But the um, yeah, no, you when you're when you're judging, you you know you're you're on stage as well for that fifteen minutes, and you have to be incredibly focused. So. Mm. Um, and we're being we're being watched in our judging now as well. Not I think everybody's looking for stage, a judge to make a mistake as well, aren't yeah. they? It's kind of like that, like looking for the ref to make a mistake. Oh, I can't believe he did that. He's had ten games. He was awesome, and you know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also easier to be distracted by the crowd. What's going on around yeah. you? Yeah. So one thing I've always wondered is uh, when I was preparing for competition and getting ready before the event, uh, I'd be like doing my run throughs and getting everything organised. And I've always wondered, like, are the judges doing the same at home? Like, can you prepare as a judge? Like, what can you do before competition? Yeah, so I mean, the, the regionals and nationals are good preparation, um, calibration. Uh, I every every competition I go into, I cram cram the rules just to make sure I've memorised everything, um, and also working with competitors. So doing run throughs with competitors is a great way to do it, and coordinating those. So. Mm. Yeah, because like one thing I always find in a, like even as a competitor, like you go to the rules. And you, you're coming with this is this, this is this. And you'd be talking to the judges afterwards and you'd say, well, you know, what about that? And they'd say, well, that's not in the rules anymore. And you're like, oh, really? And Because they change so often that you forget, mm. like, it's, it's like an iPhone update. You don't know, you know, well, I don't know which one I have. You know? <laughs> I don't know if everyone's like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, how, it must be difficult just to keep up to speed. So is there, throughout the year, is there, like, are the judges talking to each other? Is there, like, a round-robin email that goes around? And how do you keep up to speed on it? So before every um, so regional or national and then world competition there's a full full day of calibration um, which is actually just double checking skill levels and updating on all rules but yeah it's the judge's responsibility to keep up to date with the latest rule set and rules change once a year so you've got plenty of time to catch up mm. I, I'm interested James in that you have obviously been the competitor mm-hmm. And I think as a competitor, it's very obvious what you get out of going to these World of Copy events or an sure. SCA event. A tamper. 
<laughs> Several. Yeah. You know. And what what do you get out of it now that you like may not have as a competitor? And do you think that there's ways to maximise like, how you can enjoy the show and kind of get more out of it? We're talking the whole show or we're talking the competition? Both. It's a difficult question for me because for competition, certainly, I'm a little overexposed in some ways. You know, like um, I get told off sometimes, quite rightly, because uh, I think my first WBC uh, attended, uh, coached, so to speak, was 2005. Mm-hmm. And I think Melbourne was the first one I didn't go to. It so, felt weird. You know, it was, you know, it was a little strange. Yeah. Uh, so I've been, I've been around competitions a lot. I've emceed a bunch. I've coached people, I've been involved. So I've, I've kind of seen a lot of competition performances. And so you get this grumpy old man side of you that comes out that's like, oh, it's this again. I've seen, yeah, no, I saw that done in, oh no, back in the day. All of the horrible old man cliches just come out of you. And and you get a bit cynical for a while. And then some, some smarter people than me smack me down. And they're like, one, it's not for you. And two, for most people who compete globally every year, this is their first time. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't invalidate the competition that you've seen it before. It doesn't make that any less interesting that they're thinking it just because you've seen it before. So it's kind of good to be to be told that and reminded that because you approach things again with sort of uh, a fresh face in a way, like a, a bit more positivity because it's easy just to burn out on it and be like, one more person says, hello, judges. Today I'm going to blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to lose my Do you know my, my worst one with it? That is enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, I did that. I did that. Scott. I, did you invent it? <laughs> I didn't invent it. I over, I killed it. I think I think I was the first person to chronically overuse it. Uh, it's so embarrassing watching back the footage. I think I run out of things to say at the table, so I'm like, and uh, enjoy. <laughs> that's, that's all I've got left. Um, so yeah, like for the comp, I think it's just mostly have an open mind and don't go to see something you've never seen before. Go and see. Go and actually listen to who's saying what and why. Because um, there's lots of interesting ideas that people have reached on their own, and it's not about copying someone else. As for the whole show, I mean, there's a lot, depending where you are and what you want. You know, I, I'm probably not going to go and attend a bunch of the lecture tracks, not because I don't think they're valuable. It's just because I want something else from that show. You know what I mean? Whereas there's a ton of great lectures and information and that sort of generally going on that's worth getting if that's what you want. So. I have a plan, I think, is probably the most important thing you can do with any trade show. And the, the times that I felt like I wasted my time is when I went and went in without a plan. Like, what am I doing? What do I actually want to come out with? Sometimes it's, I want to spend an hour with someone who has a booth who I just want to talk to for an hour, answer some questions, make a decision about buying something if that's what I'm there for. But, like, actually having a plan and just rolling in to just wander around, you'll just feel disengaged and bored, cynical, and you'll leave. And you'll feel like you've wasted your time. So, um... Sorry, did I get a bit ranty there? I didn't mean to get it, all... It's very, very easy to get ranty about anything SA or trade, SEA show or... Well, it's every trade show in the world. Yeah, you know, yeah. The internet's broken trade shows because nothing is genuinely new. The <laughs> idea of launching something in a trade show happens so rarely. Everyone knows what's there. Everyone already knows what it costs and what it does and what's inside it, how it works. And, and it's still not available for six months. And it's still not available for six months. So, you know, it's not like people are going to discover new stuff because that stuff's constantly available now. So the only reason you can really go to these things is to interact with other humans yeah. or to interact with a bit of kit if that's what you want to do. But I don't know. I don't think anyone should go to a trade show, pull eight shots of espresso on a machine and be like, that's the one I want. Here's my cash, you know, yeah. which does happen. But 
Um, I don't think that's the best way to, to shop for coffee machines. So, uh, Andrew, SCIE, uh, if like, we've ranted a lot, haven't we, Colin? About, well, I've ranted a lot. You've ranted, yeah, mate, yeah. About SCIE and the kind of setup of it. And I think it's been going through a big period of change. We've seen lots of board members come and go, uh, yeah. lots of developments with it. How do you feel about the kind of the SCIE and how it represents, you know, particularly the coffee shop sector, because that's obviously where you're coming from? Do you feel it's a, an accurate re representation and, and, and is it being useful in, as an organisation? Have you seen improvements? Yeah, so. I'm on the SCIE membership committee now, uh, where I've been for the past year or so, and to be honest, I wasn't a member for about three quarters of that time, um, and became a member so that I could judge judge the UK VCs, uh, and that's simply because there was a real, a real lack of engagement or just incentive as a cafe owner, uh, barista, barista trainer to really join the SCIE, um, and I think there's a there's a push there's a, a bit of momentum now to to change that and we're sort of I guess we have an opportunity now to to actually be involved to do something different and I'm not looking at what I can get from the SAE now because I think that um, the long-term potential of the SCA is more is more interesting than what it's what it's what it's offering now um, if you're a, you know if you're a barista now you join the SAE, you get the right to compete in the competitions, subscription to a magazine, um, and I'm not sure what else really that's actually sort of... Um, a little bit of wood with the year on it. You get a little bit of wood, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe a discount in the SAE shop. I'm not, there's not a huge, a huge amount of incentive to join, but um, you know, f moving forwards, we've got the, the Barista Guild launching, um, which is, which is going to be really exciting um, if we get enough people involved and excited about that so how much is um, enough people sorry how much or how many is enough people uh well for the camp um which we're launching can we say this or? yeah <laughs> we can talk about this as yeah. in what's what's success or what's the goal like what's what's achievement and satisfaction and what's like yes this was this is I guess, I guess it gets to the point where it becomes a, a, a break even and, and, yeah. and then and everything above there is obviously a, a, extreme success because this is the sure. first time. It's break even, well, this is working. But I, I'll talk a little bit about this because it's something I'm quite passionate about. If we're going to talk also about break even, we're going to talk about money, we're about cost yeah. a little bit. Um, this well, these year, things don't cost money, they just happen. Of course they do, <laughs> just like magic. Yeah. Um, the, what, one of the key things we wanted to do with Bristol Girl, with the, with the camp, with this first camp, is make it super accessible. And that means, you know, a lot of people we want to reach out to in this world to bring in and to develop that have huge potential don't necessarily have very deep pockets. And I think there needs to be a little bit of sympathy around that and understanding. And uh, equally, the less we charge, the better value for money everything seems. Um, so we want to start off with actually pretty cheap tickets available for the first few people that sign up in Rimini and, and that sort of week um, to the point where it's kind of ludicrously cheap for what you're getting. Can you um, talk money at this point? Is it? Shall we? Yeah. Alright, fine. Um, you we can, can edit this bit out afterwards. It's fine. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of what we want to do, if you're an SCAE member, it's a little bit cheaper. Um, we're not going to do that thing where it's exactly a membership price cheaper for members to try and strong arm you into signing up because I think everyone sees through that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you want to share a room when you go to camp, and you sign up during the week of Rimini. It's three days full of education workshops, which you can test out and certify in the SCE courses as part of it. 
uh, we'll feed you, you'll have a very good time. 350 euros, uh, which I think is accessible. And it's where? It's in Greece. It's okay, on the beach. Yeah, you get it. I mean, thankfully, flights to Greece in October when it's going to be a not super expensive. Tons of airlines from everywhere fly there. So getting there is going to be pretty cheap. At 350 euros for three amazing days, it's kind yes. of insane. Like, it's like the education's free. You can stay and eat and drink for the 350, and then you get nothing but free education, which I think is kind of awesome. And it's going to be a mixture of speakers for everybody, a bit like uh, sort of the NBC star stuff that you see, but as well as separate educational tracks that you opt into and then you can test out at the end if you wish to and get your certification in that module uh you don't have to if you don't want to you can just take the education and go is there an additional um, cost for these no. the is sponsoring the certifications okay. for, for people who go to camp so um it'll go up a little bit after the first week and it'll if you want to have your own room which you can do that's going to be more expensive again um but we're pretty excited about it i think it's going to be a really really enjoyable event for everyone who takes a chance with us because it's the first one we have no track record so uh you know we're going to ask people to trust us but i think uh it's going to be really good and i think people are going to feel very glad that they went and there's only space for 150 yeah 150 wow that's a lot of baristas to control that's a lot of baristas and we need volunteers and we need other people in there as well um the whole camp might be around 200 people, including everyone involved. So it's going to be a big deal. Um, but it's all about bringing people together as one group, as one community. And God love competitions. And, you know, you and I particularly have benefited from them. They're a great way to rank people. And it's not really about equality and it's not really about community. It's about going, you did better than everyone else. Here's a little pro trophy for you. You did quite well. Here's a trophy for you. You did quite well. Here's a trophy for you. You guys, you did good. Thanks for coming. Come again. But you're going to have a very different experience to everyone else. Yeah. And for the money that competitions cost, imagine if I could give your experience to 150 people. Mm. That'd be amazing. And essentially the person's controlling if they win or not. Yeah. They can just passively agree to, to win by yeah. just learning. Just be part of it and have fun and yeah. give a little of yourself. And if you have a group of people doing this, where it's not about anyone being better than anyone else, it's about we all come in, we all learn together, we go away, and we're all better for it. That's the kind of ideas behind camp. And I went to a camp in the US, and that was kind of what I took out of it. Um, I was like, I wish we had this. I mean, Barista Guild in the uh, US is like $150, I think, or something like that. Is it really that much now? I'm sure. Camp's probably about that much. Yeah, yeah camp, I mean, yeah. yeah. So uh, 350 euros. It's insanely cheap. Yeah. But, the, I mean, you and know, right, it's, we and wouldn't... And that's going to go up, I guess, as... There's no way I don't think it would, it would be kind of craziness for the amount of effort that people are going to give and have given for this already to just keep doing that for that cheap of a thing, you know? Um, it'd be great to grow it to the point where people could be full-time employed to help make this a thing that happens more often. The US are onto their eighth or ninth camp now. Really? Yeah. And that, you know, it's a thing that sells out and is successful because actually it's a really attractive proposition. Um, so they're really, really interesting and effective things. And so that's exciting. And people can sign up from Rimini forward. From the first day of Rimini, you can come and see us at the booth. You can sign up there if you want to. You can go home and do it online in the first week too. After the first week, it goes up, I think, uh, 50 euros per ticket. Um, so it's not outrageously expensive. But... Um, you know, we, we're excited. Mm. We want to get some momentum behind this. And um, it's going to be awesome. 
Why? What, what kind of makes you every year pay <coughs> your subscription for SCIE? Because I think, like Andrew was saying earlier about, um, wasn't sure of the benefits, and I must admit, I kind of feel very similar about that. I know <coughs> we've talked about that before. Um, yeah, I think like I think the 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 fear of not being included is greater than the value of membership. At the so, moment. okay, may I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you mind if I jump around a little bit? Go on. So. What's the point of an association? What's the point of a trade association? So, by and large, there's two functions a trade association should offer. One is standards of excellence, which is ultimately education, but it's saying what is good and what is not good. I believe that is a function of a trade association to highlight and promote the idea of excellence within that trade. That's one. The second one is to offer the opportunity to associate. It's to offer, offer the, um, the medium in which we can all get together and as isolated and lonely people who have businesses and actually talk to each other. We can associate, we can hang out, we can become social. That's the function of a trade association. Its job is not to make us richer or more profitable or anything else. It's to offer these things to us. If we become part of this association but choose to take nothing from it, that's our decision. And that, you know, Yeah, but you could argue that like, and I've should. been associating... Yes. For, whatever, seven years now, and only just become a member. Yeah. Like the membership doesn't dictate whether I can associate or not. No, it doesn't. And the, a good organization, and this isn't about, that's the point of an organization, a good, a good association will do a good job of providing good opportunities to get together. You know? Mm -hmm. And I think certainly that's where I'd like to see more development and more done. And stuff actually for me like Symposium in the US, as, as a classic example, is exactly that. It's, it's, it's about ideas, it's about excellence. I go to an event like that and I have an idea of my place in the industry, which is interesting too. Like the grand vision of the whole thing, I get how my little cog spins and what, what spins off that cog all the way through, which is incredibly interesting. But more than that, I get to talk about that at lunch with people from all over the world who are thinking about the same stuff as I am. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I go to hear a lecture, which I will go and hear the lecture because I want to be inspired by that idea, but I know that that lecture will turn up online for free later. So I'm not paying to hear that. I'm paying to hear it and be inspired by it in the room with those people, which I can choose to interact with or not. And again, I can go and have a very dry time and be like, well, I learned a couple of useful things. So we'll, we're going to see more of this sort of stuff that you're saying in the end. I think that's the point. That's what we want to see more of. I think we want to see a European symposium. I want to see other stuff happening, more events to bring more people together, and, and Bruce, you know, Bruce DeGill bringing Bristers together, Symposium bringing, let's call it business leaders, but God, I hate that phrase so much, together, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> there needs to be a Roasters Guild at some point, to bring Roasters together, because heaven knows. Oh gosh, no, put it in schedule, it's very boring. Well, <laughs> we'll be talking about profiles. We and will, and that's okay, we should confine it to these times <laughs> so it doesn't spill out into our daily lives, you know? Just get it out once a year, just be done, and then go back to being a normal human. But, um, do I get all around? You know, it's interesting that there's a Roasters Guild in the US, and I think it's interesting in many ways that the classic definition of the difference between SEAA and SEAE is an SEAA is an organization founded and, and filled by roasters, whereas SEAE is an organization founded and filled by machine companies and, and manufacturers and suppliers. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's a fundamental well, that's, different that's interest. That's always been a big problem uh, yeah. at the SEAE is that I had, like traditionally I'd go to an SEAE event and I, I could find very few ways that I could... Um, like uh, kind of 
interact with the people that were running the SCAE. They seemed so far removed from my context. Totally. Like, I had no... Like, we worked in the coffee industry together, obviously. But, like, these people were not people that I was used to talking to or working with. And it was... There were different goals. There was... Like, there was no... There was no reason to interact there. And I think that... Like, I, what I personally would like to see the SCAE is, is a broader spectrum of people that are in coffee being involved in it. Because, like you said... Uh, until now, the SCE to me has seemed like a re- it seemed like a way to sell booths. Yep. Like at a trade show, so we need to sell the booths. How do we do that? Oh, let's get the SCE to do this, this, and this, and uh, and you feel <coughs> marginalised by it. So, I think when you look at the be- the, the differences between the SCAE and the SCAE is that the SCAE is very very good at selling booths, and the SCAE is very good at kind of putting the trade show part on. The educational part of SCAE is much stronger than the SCAA, but the actual community building of the SCAA is much better. They're, they're, like These two organisations have real strengths and real weaknesses, and it's almost mirrored in each one. Um, but I think they're both very poor at defining what they're actually about, which is, which is speciality coffee, and yep. defining that level of excellence and standard, and defending that against everything else that's out there in the coffee world. So it's almost inclusion of everybody for yeah. the sake of not having the definition, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I think, like, your biggest obstacle, uh, and I've every faith that you'll overcome this obstacle, is, uh, is getting trust. Yep. Because there's a lot of people in Europe that have engaged with SEA and have been burned to a certain extent and, and will question whether they can trust the SEA or not. Yeah, it's fair. And I think, I mean, I'll pick on you. Because, uh, I mean, you and I, in fairness, have probably both been a thorn in the side from time to time <laughs> of, of the organisations of which we're members. Yeah. But we're involved. And I think we're involved for the same reason, which is there's an, there's an opportunity that's too important to l- let go. You know? Yeah. That there is huge value and huge potential success, but it needs, it needs input from people. And it I think needs input from a different bold, kind of people. probably both got, took lots and lots of benefit from being SCAE sure. members or being involved in the SCAE uh, events and all well, of that. That kind of world. And, and I think it's actually right of us to throw... The stones. We talked about this earlier, where we're like throwing stones at the SCAE, saying this isn't right, this isn't right, because seven years ago, eight years ago, I don't know about you, but I wasn't ready to give anything to the SCAE. I was ready to take, 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 sure. give me, give me, give me. Yeah. And I'm just getting to a point now where I might have something to give back. I might have some value that I can put back into the system for all the stones that I've thrown. And I'm quite ready for people to throw them back at me while I'm doing. Well, that's it. it. I think we're both in positions where people can now throw stones at us. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. And we're very exposed and very, you know, kind of gone out and done something very different. And, and you know, it's the same with you only being involved in the, the, the Barista Guild. If this fails, you kind of look really bad. Yeah. You know? And it has every possibility of doing that, just as it has every possibility of being an amazing success. And it's, of course. it's how much you can put in to, to, to take that, yeah. you know, to get the, the, right, the right results. But uh, to some extent, you get to the point where maybe. I had a slight change of mindset that if I want more out of the SCAE, then maybe I have to go and actively take it. Mm. Because I felt I was taking my value from SCAA as, as a member there. I was going and getting it. I was traveling and going and taking it <coughs> from them and taking it home. You know what I mean? Like I went for that purpose. And maybe I wasn't thinking that way and approaching it that way from SCAE. And if I went without the intention, then I was not allowed to get anything anyway. Um, so why was I surprised that I didn't get much out of it? I didn't take anything out of it myself. I didn't actively do that. Um, so SCAA is traditionally thought to me seems a little bit more appetising. Sky, SCAA. A okay, because yeah. we should say Sky or SCAA. Oh, let's I feel, not say Sky. 
Well, S-E-A-E and S-E-A-A is quite hard to hear. Can we call it Whatever you want to... Can we... Europe and America. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Can we do that? I'll be kind of glad when we don't have to differentiate between the two and we're a special... The United States of America, actually, because America is supposed to be interpreted as immigration. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's Europe and America. (laughs) 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 The long stare, please. Sorry. (laughs) Um... Do we answer that question? Was there even a question? I don't know. Was there an answer? Was there? Yeah. There was something. Um, so looking back at, at the educational part, which is obviously going to be a big part of uh, the BGE. Um, mm-hmm. Can we call it BGE? Let's call it the BGE. Yeah, yeah BGs. It sounds a bit like BGA, though. The Barista Guild. <laughs> so do BGE. You know, what so do you edu- want from me? I don't... <laughs> I'm not in charge of acronyms. The Euro Guild. <laughs> no. Education's going to be a big part of this thing because you're going to have the uh, yes. possibility of accreditation at the end. What are your thoughts on the SAE's educational program? Because I think worldwide it's been very welcome, like, mm. accepted very, very well. I don't know whether it's been accepted so well here. I in the UK, you mean? Yeah, but I can only talk UK. I can't yeah, do sure. the rest of Europe. I'm rubbish at kind of worrying what France does or, you know. But I don't think it's as well received here as, say, for instance, Korea. That's obviously sure, sure. embraced Europe's educational program with both arms and, and. I think it's actually a pretty solid program. I think they've they spent time and money on it, and they've done a good job building what is a good resource mm-hmm. if people are there to ask for it. Uh, why people aren't asking for it? It's a good question. Um, I've always said that success of qualifications and education is really down to employers requesting this or demanding this as a qualification. You know what I mean, like or at least paying more to a staff member that holds a qualification. And I don't think, weirdly enough, I suppose there's a, and you can probably speak to this more than I can, the requirement, the desperation for staff as the coffee industry has exploded in the UK, I I think has left people in a position where they don't feel like they want to exclude anyone through a job posting that might be good just because they don't have a European membership or a European qualification or even a... The US one, or one from Australia, or one from New Zealand, which again are doing you know more and more education. Mm. I think people are just they just need people, and you know that's. Uh, it's probably a good question to ask you well, as yeah. an employer. Like, yeah. do, do, do the qualifications have value for you as an employer when you kind of see somebody coming who's done something off their own back? Are you impressed by that? Is that something you would? So one of one of the the aspirations with with the education program with 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 the BG is that we get to a stage where people are coming out of those programs where they actually do have a qualification they can bring into me and I can say, oh, well, you've, you've achieved that. And I can know that they are then able to deliver coffee to a certain standard. And, you know, at the moment with when we set up Taylor Street and Harrison Hall, we set both businesses up from a foundation that we had to train everyone from scratch. And um, that's because there wasn't an industry education program that was, was good enough to sort of, that people would come into our shops being able to make coffee of the standard we were after. So, What does it so. entail and how long does it take So, to get yourself fully accredited? Through SCAE? Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure. Um, it's, it is a programme that's being rewritten in, in part. So that's my experience of it, is that it's yeah. being rewritten. Yeah. Well, then, um, so I think educational documents should actually constantly be being rewritten, <laughs> constantly well, evolving. You know, but I feel like we're in a, in a, in a state of like, constant revision of it. Yeah. I think the system as it is now 
is that there are a whole bunch of modules because ideally we want people to have a mixture of experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and you can, you can qualify and, and you can test and pass a module and be certified in that particular module. And that carries a number of points that go towards a diploma system. Yeah. And with a number of points, you reach a certain tier. And at the end, if you I think I have 100 points, I want to say 100 points, probably should get someone who knows education better than me. Um, then you have your diploma, you have your SCE diploma, and you are, you know, like you have a wine diploma or something like that. You, at this point, you have a coffee diploma. You've proven your knowledge at a fairly broad range of topics to a reasonable depth as well. So you can't just do all the easy modules. You need to do some of the more advanced ones in there. So, I mean, you, you, you obviously have a team of, of baristas at, at the shop and... Team barista. Yeah. <laughs> and, but also, uh, Ireland, I think, has actually been quite open to the... Of course, I know Marco have been champion to get yeah, the Paul, Paul Stack is one of the, yeah. the main drivers of it. But I, I've seen, I can see on Twitter a lot that you're having SAE courses there. It, it, have any of your staff attended them? Have they took any value from them from turning up to... You know, to, to None of them. Events? None of them. What took value or attended? Uh, no, actually, I, I like. Because uh, Pete, them, did one. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, Pete did. I think two modules, maybe. Would you? Did you pay? Yeah. Would you pay for more? Not really. Why not? At the, uh, well, at, uh, where do you like, access information? Like, where do we access information? Like, what we we generally tend to do is that we we pick specific people to come and talk to the staff about specific things. So over the years we've had like David Walsh or uh, Ben Kaminsky or um, I mean we have a, a long list of people that have come and, and spoken to the staff about people. And then uh, through the various events and um, people that I meet, I would be exposed to certain learnings that I would then pass on to them at after hours training. That's generally how we do it. I would like to be able to, I would like to be able to actually in the ideal world, I would send the staff SE for training. Yeah. Um, but and maybe this has changed now. But Mike, my, my uh, the value that's there at the moment, I'm not hundred percent sure on. But uh, what I do see is that I see Paul Stack involved. I see you two gentlemen involved. I see uh, Cosmo Labardo involved, and that gives me a huge amount of hope. To the extent that like when you're talking about this the Barista um, Guild uh, camp. <laughs> that's what it's called. Um, uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be quite positive about sending staff. Would you like to buy the first ticket? Yeah, I'll buy it now. <laughs> I'll have two of them, please. Okay, cool. Um, I, I well, I'm mean, personally, I think this had been thrown up two three years ago as an idea. Wouldn't have happened. Sure. Wouldn't have happened at all. And I guess that's the evolution of the board, the the turnover sure. of new board members who came in with a very clear vision. Um, the, I, I love the idea of the structure of the incoming chair, the current chair, the, you know, the, 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 the vice chair. It's, it's a much better way of kind of planning things that we know for the next three years who's in charge. That adds some sure. continuity to, to the whole organisation and I think um, that can only be positive. It's, but Barista Guild wouldn't have happened. I think you've got to reflect on the, the industry's changed a lot over the last six years anyway. And yeah, so even if course materials were written three years ago, look at the developments in espresso machines and just our, our general knowledge and the depth of knowledge across the across the community. So I think rewriting education materials now is is, is a it's a good move and the people rewriting those materials and developing them are, are very good people who've been training for a number of years and have a lot of knowledge. Um, so I've got hope that the education side will be really, really, really solid. And um, 
and in a way we're a different case as well because we've got that knowledge and history in, in coffee that so we can do a lot of training ourselves but if you're a new cafe operator coming on board or you're someone who wants a foot into the industry SCA education should be that that foot into the industry and if you're setting up a cafe you want to be able to you want to know that you can get good people trained up by, because you don't have the knowledge yourself and you might pick it up over time or you might do the course yourself but so it is a it's a great groundwork in, um, in sure. coffee education and it's going to take time let's not pretend this you know there's really there's one pretty successful qualification in coffee which is the q grader but you know i remember first hearing that a eight, nine years ago maybe, when I was just starting in coffee, I remember hearing talk of the queue as a thing. And I feel like only really now is it starting to get any real traction wherein I might write a job advert where I might prefer people who have queue for a particular role. You know, like that's mm -hmm. a long time to build that. And it's targeting quite a small group of people quite aggressively. Mm -hmm. It's just going to take time. And I think if we instantly want somehow education to magically spread, that's foolhardy. Um, the industry is such that like, I, like uh, I wrote an article on Espresso about three months ago and I read it back the other day and I no longer think it's all true and that's like it's it's like writing the material for a course like this is sure. quite challenging because it takes time you have to get it proofread you compare it with your peers and get peer review make sure it's okay for everybody to go across because a lot of the time it's very subjective stuff you need to make sure that it's contextualized in a very general way and then things change again so like yeah. it's, a, it's always going to be a difficult process I think going back to what you said earlier James about the um the, the purpose of the association yeah. is for networking and education. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, we've relied on the Barista competition to be the, the, the driver of the networking. Sure. Yes, the trade show is there for a certain yeah. group of people, but for certainly we have all kind of done our associating within the Barista competition. I think education is a really exciting opportunity to get a group of people that may not want to compete in barista competition, may not have the skill set, maybe it's a much lower level and actually get them engaged earlier. Uh, I think that's my biggest hope for the, what the BGE is going to bring along, is an opportunity <coughs> to have another way of associating that isn't yeah. the trade show and isn't barista competition. Totally. How do you encourage that? I mean, how do you kind of get that person that doesn't like competition, but might like some education, but thinks that BGE might be a little bit like Nordic Barista Cup? Um, you know, and kind of not want that particular style of thing. So, certainly well, from which aspect of, of, of that do you think is off putting? Uh, the, the Nordic Barista Cup? Yeah. I, I think it can be very exclusive to sure. those. The, 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 quite rightly so, it's that you, that the Nordic countries invented it, but you come in from outside and it was a lot harder to be part of that. Yeah. But in certainly early days with the Nordic, you totally felt like an outsider. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think we should have to be clear that actually that's kind of the point from the get-go. It's just come in, it's not a pressured environment. If you want to develop and learn, here's a great way to do it without anyone making you stand up with a microphone in front of hundreds of people and make a coffee and be judged by seven people stood around you within a foot of you breathing down your neck. You know, like it's, it's not about that. Um, I think you just have to be open to talk to people and it's gonna be something that I think word of mouth will do a lot for it in the early days and, and just you know like this I can sit and talk to people about what we want to achieve be explicit in that and, and talk about how you know even if we want to divide people into teams into something it's more about letting them build a closer little community within a larger community than it is about you've got to be everyone else at certain competitions or whatever it's more that's not it it's not competitive the whole point of camp is not competitive it's just about being better than you were not about being better than anyone else but better than you were when you came in. Progression. 
<laughs> okay, so one of the, the things that I was here back uh, is like in in, um, in the states you have the SAA, uh, SAA it's centrally controlled. Call it American Europe. Okay, yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's centrally controlled and it's one group. Okay, now in Europe you have many different countries, many different languages, many mm -hmm. different coffee norms, and what you find is that it doesn't tend historically to be centrally controlled. Like I've sat in meetings in Dublin for the SEA Irish group. So and yeah, you have chapters nationally. Yeah, and they're they're dictating strategy and uh, and kind of uh, goals and directions. And I'm like, this is not what we should be doing. We should be centrally controlled. So I think a big challenge for the SEAE is uh, is is controlling that and getting like one group. Pushing in the same direction is. Do you see that as a challenge, or I think I can I can actually answer this one quite well from being the the national coordinator and taking over that role is that the SCAE hey, HQ is petrified of running chapters. They can't do it. There are too many chapters. Yeah. It is too much man work to to do. You can you like it, it's impossible. I mean I yeah we've got a group of five people who are very heavily involved in the chapter and then lots of sub people helping. And the amount of work that that's taken has been immense, like huge. And we're too big a con continent to, to run the way the SCAA does. It's impossible because we have many competitions. Um, also, I think we have too many competitions in Europe. We almost went competition crazy. It was like, we just spoke about this. Let's do that in our cupping conspiracy. Let's do cupping. Let's do Brewers Cup. Let's do. And all of a sudden, that's all we became. Yeah. It's impossible. It's, it cannot be centrally controlled like the American one can because they have. They run like a chapter. Yeah, I, in a way, the the umbrella organisation should be driving <coughs> big, big things. You know, the kind of the vision for specialty, the education should be working on association, providing resources for the delivery within national chapters. You know lobbying, I mean? lobbying, absolutely. Advocacy is a huge part of what should be happening, but it should be done almost as it's just a whole separate animal, uh, without worrying too much about national delivery and just supplying value international chapters. I think that's inevitably how it's going to have to go. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, there's, there's language differences, regional differences, coffee and cultural differences. But at the same time, there are big issues that we should be addressing, and there should be an organization leading us in addressing giant issues, be it something as, as, as neatly describable as rust, you know, and, and that impact on the entire thing, or the fact that potentially in 10 years' time, coffee will come from Brazil and Vietnam. That's about it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you've, you, there's enormous issues facing specialty that an organization should be driving its, its membership towards and paying attention to, that it shouldn't be so worried about the delivering of a Brewers' Cup competition in Germany. That's the thing, is that like the, at the competition level, like what I see every year, uh, I, suppose I started uh, competing in 2009, and I think uh, the difference between 2009 and 2014 is incredible. Yeah. Like at all levels, I think everybody agrees on that. But what I've seen is that at national level, it stayed the same and at times dropped. Yes, I think and HQ, HQ's responsibility though is to introduce uh, accountability yeah. to the chapters, but not to manage them, not to micromanage, but to make them but the be accountable yeah. for the decisions and things they made, but also empower them to make the decisions and choices okay. to do but it. Like, that's why they've gone backwards. Is we constantly reinvent the wheel at chapter level. So what happens historically? is somebody comes along who is motivated to be involved as a national coordinator. Yep. They go, yay, let's do this. 12 months later, they're crying in a corner, rocking Burnt backwards out. and forwards, going, I want nothing to do with it, and run away. So somebody new comes along and goes, oh, what's been done so far then? 
and actually nothing's been done. So they reinvent the wheel again. I spent my first three months of being coordinator opening a bank account. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, is that in every country, it's people doing it and uh, like really like breaking themselves to get it done yeah. uh, on a voluntary basis. And I sit in meetings every year at the AGMs and they say, oh, we should do this, this and this this year. And I'm like, I feel like the grumpy old man in the corner because I'm like, this has happened every year. You don't have the time or the resources to get to, the, uh, to do this. Mm. Like, and I agree with what you're saying is that there should be a centrally controlled kind of vision for the greater stuff. But to me, I think it's time for competition to be centrally controlled and set up in different countries by a separate group because it's not being done effectively in the countries in Europe. I think the countries in Europe just need more in the way of guidelines and resources and, and direction and help because there's a huge amount of experience about how to do it well that I don't think has been brought together and then distributed out again. You know, like I think yeah. you do reinvent the wheel each year, but you don't get a great deal of help from anyone in terms of actually. Uh, there's not a lot demanded of you, which is a sort of shame. Like the need for financial transparency within any chapter has been problematic historically. To say it mildly. To say it mildly. Um, and uh, you know that wherever there's money, there needs to be transparency in these organisations. There needs to be absolute transparency. In as well. Of course, there are, and that to some extent is inevitable. But you set your guidelines, and you are clear to people when they are involved in a national chapter. This is what we expect quite clearly. If you fail to do this, this will not continue. Yeah. And you know, to some extent, it would be smarter for the organisation to not have a chapter in a country than have a mismanaged chapter in a country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think there's an opportunity to get like an actual event management company that would set up a like almost like a world of coffee in every country every year, and those people can be there. That's their job. It's their profession to run these events. They fly in the judges. They they you know, uh, calibrate them all, get the competition runs and then get out again. And that's, it'll bring the level up. Or maybe even, dare I say, a European barista competition? I mean, Europe's so arbitrary. The problem I have at this point is Europe is completely arbitrary. And, uh, you know, whether we're being, you know, playing politics right now, which country belongs to which country even, but where do you draw the line at Europe? You know what I mean? Like, where do you need to be geographically close to to, to be fully on board? Is Russia Europe? We just so we're clear, is Russia Europe, are we saying? I think we have to stop at Ukraine before we get to Russia. Well, so, you know, it's this kind of, it's, it's this political idea of a group of countries. Yeah, so well, why, I think if there's a will for a country to be involved in the SCA, then, then that's enough. So can Korea be a member then? <laughs> oh. So, well, no, because this yeah. is the point. Like, do you do the, the arbitrary thing or do you not? And I don't know. I, the idea of Europe specifically just never really made a great deal of sense to me. Uh, before yeah, before you even get into this, it's what is the organisation actually doing for you? So yep. As as a, I mean, if you compare America versus Europe, then you've got you know two different definitions of what speciality is. So, the American, which is much more homogenised, is speciality <coughs> is a, is a, a a quality grade and objective quality score, mm-hmm. and about green coffee. Whereas in Europe, the definition is about appealing to the customer base and all the different cultures and traditions around coffee. So speciality in, in Europe is, well, do, do I like what's being presented to me in the cup? And I think Europe's embraced fragmentation and you see, you see that result in the way it's organised, the way it, um, the vision for, for, for Europe. And then you look at the American organisation, you see a bit more sort of um, direction, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's easier to have a bit more coherence. If you've set your definitions of specialty quite clearly, who's allowed to play is a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, a lot of people get all up in arms about Starbucks being you know, specialty. 
that gets a lot of people very angry as an idea. Cause like, it's no, one of the biggest the disappointments of Seattle is that everybody I met from Starbucks was really clever and really nice. So it was terrible. It was, you know, it was really confusing. So I think that's, yeah. a, that's a really good place to kind of uh, to, to wrap up the our SCIE bashing. Do you know what? And I don't think it is. And I think if we it's had this conversation two years ago, it would have been far more bashing than what we've just had there. I think we've all agreed. Yeah, it's it's, it's in a better a, place. It's coming from an exciting place, I think, exactly. for me. It's like, like I'm excited about actually what can happen. There's some direction to things which I think is positive, and I think we can build momentum around that and do some cool stuff. Should Here we get is. some new guests on? Yeah, you guys are kind of going a bit stale for us. That's yeah. We're a bit baggy. That's fine. So uh, let, let's get some new folks. Right, let's go. So uh, with us here we have Dale Harris and Isa Briskelagen, um, who were as uh, how's that? That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had it. That's why I should have just instructions, not me. <laughs> Can you edit out the bit where I uh, react on here? I nail that name all the time. Uh, who are charged with uh, designing, running, coordinating uh, the new Euro Guild? Barista Guild of Europe. <laughs> BGE. BGE. Stop messing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. so tell us about good. some stuff. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> so How what are you doing, Colin? So tell us about your responsibilities first of all. So, Dale, tell us like what what are, what are you charged with doing in making this happen? Uh, I am very lucky to be part of a group of really cool people who are working together to try and make a barista guild, try and or, or try and set the foundations of what will become a barista guild. Um, we're starting with a barista camp, a large event, uh, a launch pad from which we will work out and make noise and provide great value. And then hopefully the, f the year following that, there will be a great movement that will benefit baristas across Europe. That's the plan. And working together with lots of help from lots of people, we need more help. And uh, yeah, it's going well. Slowly. Slowly, but surely. So that's your, your kind of your, your role in this and kind of what you're, you're hoping to get from this and how to develop the, the BGU. Well, so yeah, I was um, also involved in the initial work group um, and now I'm kind of coordinating the whole thing. So um, I mean, the whole, by the whole thing, I mean the whole barista camp. So I'm mostly in charge with, um, as an event coordinator, setting up the whole um, camp in Greece from the 5th till the 8th October. Um, Can you make like a, like a little thing appear at the bottom of the screen? <laughs> By now! <laughs> um, which obviously it's a lot of work because we're, as an organisation, the Barista Guild is new. Um, I'm sure baristas will have heard of the Barista Guild of America, so there's some sort of association that people have a certain idea what we're going to do, but... Um, I have talked to a couple of people about it and still lots of people are not clear what is a barista camp, what are we going to get from there, why should we go. Um, so we're trying to 
give them lots of opportunities and lots of reasons to go. Um, so, and, okay, I, I'm, I'm Mr. Barista and I'm asking that question. Tell me what I'm going to get if I come to the camp in October. You're going to get, um, well, <laughs> but two things that we're actually focusing on as a guilt are going to be um, available to you at the camp, which is community building. There's going to be loads and loads of baristas. Um, in fact, most of the people in the work group are baristas or are very close to baristas as well. Um, and then there's going to be an incredible opportunity for education. We're going to offer different tracks for people. Um, say you're a barista who's worked in coffee for about half a year to a year, there's going to be an opportunity to do a barista intermediate uh, course. So we're offering different modules from the um, uh, Sky Education, like the coffee diploma system. So people will actually be able to follow different modules and get certified at camp. So they get they get an actual certification to take back home, which will hopefully give them better chances at progressing um, in coffee or better chances at getting a job that they, they're looking for to advance in, in their um, coffee career. And, and wrapped in there, you're going to have speakers as well, is that right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're, the whole camp is going to be over three days. So um, it's going to involve lectures, hands-on workshops. Um, obviously, education is a big chunk of what we're going to do because um, the modules are um, pretty like in-depth. It's not just like a, a lecture. Um, there's a lot of training involved as well. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of social activities so we can end a day with a lot of fun and, and you know, work together and, and have fun together and a little bit um, kind of, you know, spreading the values that Nordic Barista Cup has started as well, like be together, learn together and share together. Mm -hmm. That always happens with baristas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do you think that would be a particularly uh, harder thing to control in Europe than it would be in the States, per se? Or? A barista camp, you mean? Oh, or? I mean, like, because uh, my experience of barista get togethers in Europe is like it sometimes turns into this wild party. So we like, are in the spirit a of learning, very right? focused schedule. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We are making sure that the activities provide, like, like really underline the things that we want, which is a chance to meet new people, a chance to learn things that you won't otherwise get the chance to learn or really expensive to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, the social activities are going to be kind of curated. You're going to be kept together in small teams so you make friends and work with them over the things that you're learning. Uh, and yes, people can go and get drunk afterwards and go and have parties, but that will be outside of very long hours. So most people should be completely knackered yep. by the time we finish with them. I think this is like, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea is to give, like it's going to be cheap. It's going to be incredible value. So if you, if you've fallen in love with coffee, if you work at, I don't know, if you work at a coffee bar in Prague, and there are five shops, and you go to all the shops, and you all share the same ideas, but you want to learn more, but you get paid barista <laughs> wages, this is going to be your your golden opportunity to spend three days, meet people from ten, twenty countries, learn things that you don't normally have access to because people aren't running those courses, or the people who are running those courses are running them. You know, because they're expensive to run, so normally you're like excluded from that. Uh, you will leave with, like, like if there are 150 people there, if out of those 150 people attend, if each one leaves with one friend from another country and has learned one thing about coffee that they wouldn't have learned working in a shop, then we succeeded. It's, uh, it, it angers me a little bit, because, like, 
this sounds to me like the fast track to learning that, that I wish oh, I yeah. had at the start. Like, I mean, it's like... Oh. Well, no, absolutely. Well, I think, um, you know, I heard you talking before about the um, SE coffee diploma system and the courses and whether you would send people to attempt those courses. And I think we have an incredible opportunity to show what these courses are, what the modules are, because they have changed a lot. And I think the reason why they haven't always been so successful is because nobody really knows and fears that the level isn't high enough. And I think in the past, it's probably right to, to have that fear, yeah. but I think it has changed. And yeah. um, not enough people know that it has changed and that now the level of the courses and the, the whole coffee diploma system that has been created is is incredible yeah. um and i wouldn't i if i were to have a shop um i would want my level to be really high but yeah. i think as a shop owner it's amazing now to be able to send your staff off yeah. um and follow these courses because they i can assure you like the level they're at will be a level that you want and is, is that uh, is that who it's aimed at are you look are you aiming at the people that are just getting started in coffee or are you aiming at people a, a bit of both like, like let's because like, i'm a big deal like, like this. you're a big deal and you are more than welcome yeah. so ticket price is just 350 euro we would love to have you there will be cost yeah, exactly. you need three three because you need one for a friend you need like 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 there could be rooms with three beds in it you could have a lot of fun um seriously though is is it is it aimed at all levels? Like, is, is James Hoffman invited to go and attend? Is, of is, course he is. He's, yeah. he's, he's buying of, a ticket. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think part of when we're discussing what is a camp, what do we want this camp to be, um, is sharing experience and also learning from people who know more than you and not being afraid to ask them questions. Because I think a, lo a, lot, a lot of times are at um, trade shows or at barista competitions, you have kind of the, um, the hot shots, <laughs> or I don't even know how to call them, but you know, the... the Show ponies. Yeah, or, <laughs> I mean, people who have some, who've achieved a status within the industry that seem a little, right or not, but they seem a little hard to approach, mm -hmm. and you fear a little bit, I, I think as a barista, whether you've, either you're more remote so to speak like in a country where not that much is happening within Europe or you're just started in coffee I think it's um and I speak from experience like I wouldn't dare to come up and talk to you after a while you know like it it, it can be intimidating but that's all that, and it, we're it, trying to take that away yeah. so we're definitely aiming to have a wide variety of um experience in the camp and it Inevitably, because we're offering the modules, there's going to be trainers, like people who've been working in coffee for 10 years or more, who probably know more than all of us, yeah. but they're not necessarily the people who are always in the spotlight. Exactly, and that's kind of like the, the downside of competition, is that like, and like I, I admittedly have done well in competitions, but sometimes like the, the expectations people have of you, like I've only worked in coffee for yeah. five years. Yeah. So let's let's talk about fast track to learning. Yeah. Because, so, in a similar place to you, it took me a long, long time to learn the skills that I have now. There's lots more to learn. You're welcome. But <laughs> I'm always here to learn. <laughs> uh, the, like, it's really inefficient. Yeah. It's a really stupid way of learning. Like, like frustrating. Like, frustrating. Yeah. Like, like I I learned my 
my fastest learning opportunities were when I went to a, you know, a cupping at someone's roastery that was held once every three years, or there was a, a coffee <laughs> trade show and there just happened to be a lecture that just worked and whatever. And it was like three times a year I would learn something, or one time a year I would learn something. And then you go back and do the same thing over and over again and forget and repeat and repeat and repeat. Yeah. If there's a place where you as an employer can pay 350 euro, or you as a barista who's driven enough, will spend your own money, can pay to just get like, like a broad overview to a, a level that the industry kind of agrees is helpful, uh, that pushes you, and, and also for somebody who's more experienced, like there are gaps in my knowledge. I would like the gaps fixed. And it's hard when you do a specific job or you do a specific role yeah. within a business because you, you get really good at what you do, but you don't understand all the intricacies, or, or, or particularly now when, when equipment fixes lots of problems, you don't need to learn skills that you used to learn, that you used to need to learn. And we want everybody to have those skills because when things go wrong, or when you have questions, or when in three months we change our definition of what espresso is, mm. we all want to be working from the same basic level of knowledge. Yeah. So, so that fast track to education that you're saying, this is also almost a, it's almost a fast track to uh, networking as well, though. Would yeah. you agree yeah. that this is a fast track to kind of meet Colin Harmon and to meet yeah. James Hoffman and all he's those people? Tickets, yeah. so he's bought tickets. So I've just got to meet myself. So <laughs> we're looking for 150 people, yeah. and they're going to be split into streams of 50. So there'll be 50 spaces for each of the, the different content streams. So some of those 50 will have like a, like a full-on in-depth uh, course based on the sensory intermediate content. So if you want to learn how, how to understand how you taste, how that applies to different foods and how that applies to coffee. And you are experienced in making coffee and stuff. There's a course there for you, which ends with some lectures that you'll share with everyone else. But you'll also be part of a group of 10 that covers people from all of those three different streams. So there'll be a couple of people who are just starting out in the industry who will have to rub shoulders with you for three days. You'll have to play, I don't know what sporting activities we've got. I think it's water polo. I think it's like, there's all kinds of crazy things. Definitely table tennis. Like, table tennis may become a theme. I'm, I'm, I'm ace at table tennis, yeah. too. You're a roaster. You need to set up your own guild. <laughs> you can do that. Like, tennis. I'll give you a mandate to do it. But I'm ace at table tennis. You are. The roaster's guild can have a team. The barista guild can have a team. We'll see who crushes who. The Twitter guild. The what guild? The Twitter guild. The Twitter guild. <laughs> <laughs> yet, yet again, roasters get left. <laughs> Poor roasters. No, there'll, there'll be room for roasters too. There's, there's, there's room for every. Uh, like, I know a lot of roasters who could really benefit from latte art training. <laughs> like, because they, they give a lot of latte art training and they really, really should learn how to do it. Or they could still benefit from a sensory training. Yeah. Um, they give you contextual knowledge as well. So. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, the, the curricula of these modules are, like I said, like they're pretty high level and it's not only just for people who've just started out. Um, we've got a track for them. But we we also have options for people who've been in coffee a bit longer, been behind a bar, and want to advance. Because I feel like that's that's a huge um, group of people that we have to cater for. Yeah. Um, like it's easy to start as a barista. You know, you enter a cafe, you like the atmosphere, and you're like, oh, I. Or you need someone? Do you, do you need staff? I can try and learn how to make a coffee. And I'm not saying that's easy, but it's easy to roll into. Um, it's a lot trickier to advance once you've been doing making drinks for maybe a year. And it's it's also hard to make drinks to a certain level consistently. Yeah. And then, so, like, uh, we were first uh, exposed to the idea of a barista guild in Europe uh, or a Euro guild 
This has become known. Uh, <laughs> in, by one person, it it's become known. <laughs> uh, by uh, Quillam Davies, uh, uh, who actually did a tamper tantrum um, uh, in Nice, um, presenting the idea of just like this could be a thing, uh, which is kind of a, a brave idea. And I remember talking to Quillam like kind of two days later at, at the show in Nice, and he was, uh, I'd, he was getting a little sensitive about. Um, the negative feedback coming from people, uh, and I think Gwillem uh, kind of took the hard brunt of it, and in terms of like the SAE and the lack of trust that was there. So, like, how are you guys like at Rimini where you're going to launch this thing? Like, how how are you going to soften this all up and get people to the doors? Like, what's the plan? So. Table tennis. Table tennis is the plan. No, <laughs> I'm like, table tennis. Like seriously, <laughs> table that. tennis is the plan. We do. We like like we we we're gonna have a little bit of fun. There's gonna be some competitions or. Uh, a competition which will give some people the chance to to, to, to win a ticket, but save your money, Carl. Save your money, Carl. You can, yeah. Steve, Steve's a, a winner. We know. Really fun the one you um, <laughs> but the real thing is, we're going to be there, and we're going to we're going to talk about it. And we're not going to make a a big song and dance and make crazy promises. We're going to stand there and say, okay, this is what we've built. We think this is what you wanted. This is what it's going to cost. We'd like you to sign up and and take a risk. We are making uh, a big point that we are not just part of the SCAE. They have helped create this. It is their ideas and their, uh, particularly members of the board, had a real drive that there was a need for this, that they have, uh, they're not touching baristas. We shouldn't encourage touching. <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's not a big thing. Uh, but they're, they haven't been... They been... feel touch baristas. <laughs> they have not been... <laughs> oh, no. They haven't reached baristas and there are a lot of baristas out there. They're a big part of the industry. They're a noisy part of the industry. They're a part of the industry that is growing and looking for ways to grow and looking for the things that the SEA has spent money building. So how did they reach them? And so they tapped some people on the shoulder and said, could you, could you make this happen? Because we tried a couple of times and each time it failed. And what they've been really, really good at is saying, okay, we want this to happen. Here's, here's the idea. We will, we will approve some things and I get on with it and we will try not to be involved. So they've given us like the facilities to set things up, a little bit of cash flow. Um, so this is going to be funded by baristas. When it becomes a guild, it will be operated, designed, uh, and the demands that it fulfills will be the demands of baristas. And hopefully SEAE or, or SEA will benefit from that because there will be more people coming in at the bottom of their educational system. There will be more people using their ASTs, and there will be more people touching the products that they've made. That's interesting. Sorry, but like it's in 2009, I went to Cologne for the... SAE show and sat in a room at the end of the week at a, at a kind of awards dinner or something and there was a group of about six or seven baristas pushed into the corner and I remember looking across the room and not having a clue who any of these people were uh, why they were here what, what they were talking about and it's like it had very little to do with my world and now the SAE the board of the SAE have sanctioned a barista guild to happen which has effectively put 150 baristas in the same room and create an association like James was speaking about before yeah. They've created a monster. Like there's so huge potential in this to cause a massive sea change throughout the SEAE. Yeah, but that's and that's a whole, that's a whole opportunity. I think we can, as Barista Guild, we are a group of people that are baristas that come from within the barista community. Like we've all either been baristas or are very closely um, interacting with baristas. So I think we have a better idea of what it feels like being a barista, what it feels like starting out in the coffee industry and how hard it is to progress. And 
Um, we're also better at um, listening to baristas and hearing them out. And I think baristas are um, less afraid to talk to us about what they would want, how they would see um, or how would they would like to see the Barista Guild improve or what they would like to see happening. Um, and I think the camp is, is our launch, it's, it's our platform um, to get that interaction going and that touching going, um, <laughs> <laughs> physical or not. Um, but not. <laughs> not. <laughs> of course. Where we can um, listen to what, what these people are, are looking for um, and then we can use that information to move on. And I think... You know, I've, I've actually have a confession to make. I'm not an SEA member. I'm not. Um, I think I have been like 8% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have been for one year when I had my own business. Because um, I think it was really difficult to see the value when we talked a little bit about this before. Um, why would you become a member? Um, but I think so much has changed and I'm only seeing the first bit of that right now where I think I'm pretty involved already in the community and I don't really fear talking to any of you. Um, so I think with the Barista Guild, we have the opportunity to show so much more of what SEA actually has been doing and especially their um, education, um, their, the building of the coffee diploma system. Um, I think we have an opportunity to support baristas from the bottom up rather than having having some sort of, um, how do you say that? Or the pyramid kind of... Yeah, yeah, someone like looking over the community and, and without, without a, like most of the people of the SEA, like you said before, when you go to a trade show and you saw these people, you were like, they're so far off from my world. Mm -hmm. And I think the barista guild can be like a, a step down to the barista community, um, but where we can offer the structure um, and the platform for baristas to actually um, get better at what they're doing and evolve and progress. It makes it more relevant to the people. Like, yeah. like one of the big things that sticks out for me from that Cologne trip was uh, like being absolutely smashed, like had no money at all, being there as a volunteer. Like using my last few um, uh, euro just to buy dinner that night, and then being invited to this dinner, and it's like it's a five course champagne dinner for the people of the SEA, and you're like, like this is not relevant to what we do yeah. in no way. Uh, and the is fact it to them then? Maybe. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that, that sort of stuff shouldn't happen. I mean, like, it's it, it definitely doesn't. I'll stand up and say that sort of stuff shouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. That's my opinion. Okay, but it's not, yeah. Like, but the SAE needs to be more grassroots, and yeah. and um, I mean, there so there's ample opportunity to have. You nice said dinner. about a sea change. You said that mm. this this organisation. So let's look at WCE, SEAA, and SEAE together made this thing that is really efficient and is really smart and is making changes to the way competitions run, the way competition education runs for judges, and making it smarter and tidier. In the same way, they they uh, SCAE helped make this baby BGE that could be something really amazing. We have this opportunity that baristas who get involved. You were saying about like being national coordinators or being involved with it, how it's not just about what's available. You see that opportunity and you go in and you take it, and baristas will have the chance to take it and make the SCAE what they want it to be, what they need it to be, so that it's useful to them. 
Now, there's a big chance that, you know, again, you said when you mentioned the camp, that there's a chance that it could fail. We're going to get 150 people together and we're going to show them the content in the best way we can, the lectures in the best way we can. And the biggest failure will be if they all come, they'll go, yeah, we done something that was boring. We're going to have 150 people. The plan is that they leave going, my God, there is something there. There is something we can use. There's something we can, we can use in our business, in our career, and we'll tell other people. And our plan is that we will have 150 ambassadors come the 9th of October who go around saying, you know what, next year, you should go to, where are we going to do it next year? Dublin. 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 Dublin's going to tell you Berlin, actually. Berlin. Yeah, well, maybe Berlin. Berlin we'll, we'll take a vote. But that's, I suppose, it would be unfair to not mention, like, to have a pop with the, the big wigs and not mention the fact that, like, there's going to be a perception out there that, like, there is a common perception, whether we like it or not, that baristas are a little bit entitled and a little bit flaky. And, like, that perception Oh, is we are. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like, what happens? Like, you, you run that risk of getting 150 entitled flaky people in a room and nothing happening. Is it going to be hard? Like, can you can you fail the Bristol camp? Like, is it? So, so there's a there's a thing about uh, about education that we do too many tests, like like tests are not the best way to score knowledge and skills, skill acquisition and stuff like that. I think 150 people will go through a process, and we will recognise that they've gone through that process. So maybe they will. There's a chance they'll fail the test at the end of the certificate or the practical examinations. Yeah. But everyone who goes through that camp will leave having gone through a a joint experience, a joint learning thing, they will leave with a cup or a, or a T-shirt or a thing and they will leave with like an emotional connection to this camp. And if we make that a good, positive thing, there will be 150 minimum winners. Okay. You know, and I'm, I'm going to be really mean here, okay? So what I've heard so far is you're going to have a party for three days <laughs> of Greece, yeah, where there's going to be lots of touching going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so like at the minute you're telling me that the BGE is a party. Three no, we're not. Okay, no, we're separating the two things. Okay. So we're saying that the BGE at the moment. It could be an education party. <laughs> love education. We love coffee love education. education. So we start off with we're not the BGE yet. We're a group of people who think there should be one. We are working really hard to make something. Uh, we are starting with a barista camp, which is not the BGE. So it's not going to be a BGE booth at Rimini? There's going to be a BGE booth at Rimini. BGE doesn't exist yet. Promoted by the people that have worked together and, and have set something up. And it's a made-up thing. And we're going to put ourselves there and we're all going to look really stupid if we fail. But we're going to stand there and we're going to say, this is what we've made. Do you want it? We've made a barista camp. And from that barista camp, that is one thing. And yeah, it's a bit of a party. But it's also a huge educational benefit. There's lots of opportunities for people to get value from it. And at the end of it, like the last lecture, we plan to ask for help from those 150 people and we're going to make something amazing that is better governed, uh, more democratic. They have more say in what's going to happen. So they will call the agenda, we won't. At which point we will probably, as you were saying about uh, national chapters and chairs and vice chairs and things like that, have some kind of grandfathering process so that some of the people who are involved at the beginning get to leave and then some of the people stay and look after the next year or the next two years and we have some kind of system that will be sustaining. That's what happened in the to build in America is worked really well um, and we hope we can build something as strong as that. I think you know if you call it a party if you call this a I told party. you always being me. Yeah you are. It's important to be me because I think what, what, it's important what comes next. That's, that's they're, what they're thinking it. They're watching it. Yeah. They're thinking it right now. They're like I'm going to well, get it's so good. Dark. I mean we need, we need to we need to touch <laughs> the barista community. Baristas I touch think, too much. I know. Oh they but, don't. They need to 
have some sort of, there, there's, there needs to be a draw, and obviously getting together and having fun together is part of the draw. But um, I think one of the bigger things is, I mean, they're going to be, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's not it's not just a party where you attend or you know a three day <coughs> event where you attend some lectures and you have some workshops and you know you 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 drink in the evening and you have fun together and then you leave like you're gonna have to sit down and listen to people talk about how to make an espresso what an espresso is and it's not just um as you mentioned like we change that information continuously because we're such a young industry um or an evolving industry, and it will be cutting-edge um, content that is being spread. Um, and at the end of that, they're going to have to pass their certification. So I think if you attend, you... I mean, I'm not going to say no to anyone who wants to attend to just have a party, but you're not really going to take back a lot. Um, the, the real value is, is in um, the the modules and the courses that we're actually yeah. offering. I, I also think that the, the price is important. So, yes, it's really cheap. <coughs> like, it's really good value. But it's still a lump of money. Mm -hmm. And there yeah. are cheaper parties. There are cheaper ways to get drunk with people who make <laughs> coffee than spending 350 euros. There's cheaper and, ways, and ways to touch baristas. There, there, there are, yeah. in, fact, <laughs> in fact, you can do it in most shops if you're not worried about legal action. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's fine. And um, so when do you, where do you see the draw coming from? Like, is there a chance that you're going to turn up on day one and there's going to be, like, a guy from Ireland, a guy from Spain, a guy from Belgium, and then 147 people from England? I'm concerned about that. It's like, so we've, in the work group, we have representatives from a number of countries and uh, SCAE have also given us some target countries where those countries, their national chapters, are either just developing and are really asking for something to happen, or that those countries have national chapters that are really, really developed and need more. See, I'm really not concerned about it, actually, yeah. because um, I think that what we're offering um, is more easily available in the UK already, but it's not easily available in... Um, Spain or Greece where we have the camp um, or even Germany who's just you know kind of revamping their chapter and they're really eager to to, to be involved again like I think we're going to have barristas from all over um, in the early days this was it doesn't even matter as long as you have 150 barristas that have got value and they're in Europe that will that will spread soon enough yeah true although I would be I would be disappointed if it would be, you know, an, an English-speaking bunch. I don't like English people. <laughs> yeah. um, like I, no, I think we're we're also involving the national chapters um, to promote the whole camp. It's, so it, it's also one of the reasons why we're we're like we're launching at Rimini because there will be a European audience yeah. there with people. From yeah, there will be stands. loads of Italians there. Yeah, leading on from that, then so Italians. Yeah. Well, we get lots because I think it's it's that thing uh, like we, we, until I suppose the last year and a half I'm gonna say that like there hasn't really been much Italian input into specialty coffee uh, the way we know it in Europe at the moment like uh, and I've noticed particularly because we do host every year yeah. uh, every second year yeah. I've done th uh, three hosts since 2009 so every second year and only the last one last October were you suddenly seeing Italian people interested in what you're doing? Mm -hmm. yeah. So it would be great to see a, a more uh, a lot of Italian people and getting involved in it because I mean it's it's the bedrock of Italian or of uh, European coffee culture. Yeah. Like the product aside, the culture of European coffee is is so influenced by Italian culture. So yeah. I think 
I think there's a great opportunity at Rimini that, you know, the, the WBC is there. So they're the, the 60 best, you know, most celebrated competitive baristas in the world will be standing there in front of, you know, an audience that includes Italian baristas who will be coming, hopefully will be coming out from their shops to go and see what's new in coffee and seeing yeah. this thing that they, you know, they haven't had great exposure to in the past. <laughs> Because yeah. it's it's not been in Italy since Trieste in what two thousand and two. Yeah, and it was so, so small. Something like that. Well, it was it was a very different game then, and I'm not saying barista competition is is everything, but that is our that is our poster child for success at the moment. Yeah. If we can get, if there are Italian baristas there who look at the WBC and go, we've never done what the, yeah. that thing. We don't need to do this yeah, anymore. Yeah. How do I learn about this? Yeah, yeah. And like we will be. Opposite the stage, or just around the corner from the stage, yeah. where we sit somewhere between the like the booth where you buy the t-shirts and the way you go and see the baristas <laughs> doing the thing, yeah. um, we'll be somewhere there, and we will be offering a, a new route to education, and hopefully our stand will look interesting enough that they will wander past and say, "Oh yeah, that thing over there," some of those guys will be here. Yeah, I know the MC. Now you can probably send a few people your way <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. It's okay. Really good. One by one. Don't don't do it. Like like when the last competitor finishes, please don't say you can all go over to the stand now and do the thing there. It's interesting you were saying about the the Italian uh, general coffee community because I remember in 2012 the WBC organised a trip for myself and the other five finalists from the yeah. WBC to go to uh, Italy. We visited a cup factory and, and the one trip in particular was visiting Cellini, who are like a quite a large roaster in Genoa in Italy. And they were wonderful people, really, like, really engaging and really interest, uh, really kind of polite and, you know, very successful at what they're doing. And, but there was, a, it almost felt like, uh, it was like aliens visiting or something. And they were kind of, like, looking at it and like, so, wow, this is fascinating. You, and one of their, their questions was like, who said you could have a world championships? You know, like, it was like, they didn't even know it existed. And they're like, yeah. who gave you permission to do this? Do you, yeah. do you remember? Uh, so uh, when I first met Colin was uh, through some training after a host show. I, yes. I, met, I met him yeah. properly at a host show. Yeah. And we went and did training at Simonelli's factory. Yeah. And on the last day, so, so the, the day before that, I did some work in, uh, in a bar near where Simonelli's factory is based. Just like, like the one the salesman said, oh, you should go there, you should work a shift there. Dario's place, is it? Yes. yes yeah. Yeah. And it was a really interesting experience. It's a very different kind of bar to anywhere that I'd worked before. And I learned a lot. And then the next day, some of the girls who worked in the shop came in and they were like looking around. And there was, I think there was uh, Gwyneth Davies there was talking like Australian shots and Stephen Morrissey was, yeah, was talking yeah, yeah, American shots and you were, you were doing European. And, and it was like European traditions, American traditions, Australian traditions, they've all come from this Italian idea, were so divorced. They were looking like, what? And the factory's right in the corner from them. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we talk about Italian espresso culture and a lot of the people driving education, a lot of people driving these, like the progress are Italian companies that just happen to be the machine companies, not the people on the ground selling the coffee yeah. to the people. But I think with any sort of, industry organization or whatever you are seeing you have you have some people leading a scene pushing it forward and i think because europe is so diverse and we've got like different cultures within one continent you know we have to use there has been i think why italy for example last year has like progressed a lot is because there's a couple of people who are pushing mm. um not just manufacturers but baristas yeah. um who are pushing the level who've opened their own shops who um, you know, have done competitions or spreading the word. And I think it's not just Italy. Um, a country like Poland, for example, um, 
there are, you know, there's more and more um, specialty shops well, in Warsaw. Maybe, maybe there's to the extent I know a little country called Ireland that had exactly. a couple of well, going on, but it took a couple of yeah, people yeah. Exactly. to drive it forward, and that's I think that's all it takes. And hopefully, for but me, it, what the Barista Guild does is empowers those people exactly. to be the next that's ones where, coming through yeah. and the next pushes. It's that's supporting those people to say like. Hey, we, we really love what you're doing, but here's some support from like an overall European organization. Yeah, you know, like the most valuable thing for me when I got involved in coffee is that uh, was like you, if you're starting off and you're trying to learn as much as you can, you're like, you're starting to always get better and better. But the opportunity to travel and meet other people so and see their faults and what they don't so know. So, if we talk about you, the barista yeah. girl rather than the barista camp, yeah, and this is this is me being really boring because I like being boring. Um, <laughs> girls. <laughs> Guilds in like the, the 15th, 16th, 17th century, part of your like training, you, you train to become a, a journeyman where you could do work within a day's journey. And you, you learned that by going to find a master in a village that was a lot. And, you know, travel has changed. The Internet changes lots of things. Cheap air travel changes lots of things. But you would go away and you would learn from someone who wasn't your dad. You would learn different skill set and different things. It's important. You need to be able to judge like you would not have been able to make coffee better in Dublin without the outside influences of what people were doing badly and well mm-hmm. elsewhere. Yeah. But same. it also enables you to... I mean, I remember when I was <coughs> cupping, uh, I think it was my first Nordic Barista Cup, and I was in, on the, the same cupping table as Gwilym, I think who had won WBC that year. And so realizing that he, like, when I cupped and he was cupping next to me, we kind of had the same experience it kind of gives you confidence as well and you need that confidence you need people who you're looking up to and you think like oh they know way more than i do you need to see them kind of asking a stupid question (laughs) or saying like i know the answer to your question that you're asking and i'm way younger or or, you know i haven't been involved in this industry for so long but kind of that interaction i think is there's there's another thing that that when you when you you, you forget how much you've learned along the way. You don't, yeah. really, you don't really measure how successful you've been until someone asks you the right question and you start talking about it. Like, like, like the things that, that, that you know about processing, like that you have in your memory bags that people don't have because they haven't had the same five, six years of experience as you. But then you'll have questions elsewhere and it's only when you talk to other people from other places you begin to measure that. So that can feel good yeah. as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, because we have such bad ways of, of, of measuring this in our industry. Like, I was telling somebody the other day that I went to WBC in 2009 and finished fourth in the world, okay? And suddenly had this, like, uh, people were like, whoa, okay, this guy's real. Sort of. I didn't know what the natural process meant. I didn't know what full natural meant. You just had innate talent. Somebody wrote your speech. speech. And you still did. It's like, but suddenly I was, like, and that, that's a massive, like, I'm thankful that happened, obviously. Yeah. Because it gave me something. It gave you the opportunity to learn about it. But I didn't know what it meant. And like, we have such bad ways of measuring success and And, and knowledge and capability in our industry. And like, something like this just makes it um, again that easy, that easy routine. I think what we should do now is we should bring the other two back in. This is definitely a conversation we well, should carry on. No, we on. could just get rid of everyone and all yeah, this talk. For yeah, 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 just talk the way through. <laughs> so we should definitely go and get the other two, and we'll be uh, yeah, get there. Well, or thoughts. you could you could talk at the Barista Camp. If you really want to talk in front of an audience, then I'll have like a... <laughs> I, I, I personally think what's missing from the, the whole Boris Camp is we should definitely have a tamper tantrum there. We could do this live so it's to stop them all drinking. If you talk to James Hoffman, he'll drink. give you a perfect sponsorship <laughs> opportunity where you can buy a slot. It'll be about... I'm already three tickets down. <laughs> uh, right, okay. Let's get them back.
get right, so we're going to wrap up now. We're kind of at that final point. What I wanted to do before we go is I want each of you to give a reason why you should come to Bristol Camp. You're going to have a tough job at the end because I'm going to start up there. Oh. So we have longer to think about it, which is good. So, James, why should... I, I am a new barista to coffee. Why should I come along? Because it's one of the best memories you'll have for the next 10 years. Fantastic. Dale? Incredible educational value at very, very low cost. Okay. You'll be a brand new person when you come out of it. Um, incredible networking opportunities to meet coffee people who you thought were never approachable. Colin, you get to meet me. And you get to touch baristas. Yeah, you should definitely go. It sounds good fun. <laughs> well, thank you all for coming. Yes. And, um, You're welcome. Um, Will you do the two years to the next one? Yeah, hopefully. Good. Hopefully. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>